Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and we are continuing with our Black History Month rebroadcast, and this time I decided to go with a more recent episode. Uh, this is from the post-Derek era, when I had Kellen Conley come on to discuss The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, the entire first season of that on Disney+. Plus. This was originally two episodes, but I've re-edited it together to be one long episode, so I hope you enjoy that, and I will see you next time. I understand that list of names. People you've wronged as the Winter Soldier. Don't push it. I've seen that book. It was Steve's when he came out at ice. I told him about Trouble Man. He wrote it in that book. Did you hear it? What'd you think? I like 40s music, so... You didn't like it? I liked it. It is a masterpiece, James. Complete. Comprehensive. It captures the African-American experience. He's out of line, but he's right. It's great. Everybody loves Marvin Gaye. I like Marvin Gaye. Steve adored Marvin Gaye. You must have really looked up to Steve, huh? But I realized something when I met him. The danger with people like him, America's super soldiers, is that we put them on pedestals. Watch your steps, Zemo. They become symbols, icons. And then we start to forget about their flaws. From there, cities fly, innocent people die, movements are formed, wars are fought. You remember that, right? as a young soldier sent to Germany to stop a mad icon. Do we want to live in a world full of people like the Red Skull? That is why we're going to Madripoor. What's up with Madripoor? You guys talk about it like a skull island. It's an island nation in the Indonesian archipelago. It was a pirate sanctuary back in the 1800s. It's kept its lawless ways, but we cannot exactly walk in as ourselves. James. You will have to become someone you claim is gone. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. And uh, when Derek was still with us, we had a tradition that we had done uh, two years in a row where every February we'd spotlight uh, Black superheroes. Um, and one of the things we ended up finding out <laughs> the second year we did this is that there actually aren't a whole lot of black superhero movies. So we started to, that's how we ended up with Steel. Um, <laughs> and, oh, uh, but, uh, and since Derek's no longer with us, I wanted to do something to kind of continue the tradition. And I thought I'd bring on um, another one of my favorite black nerds who's been on the show before. And that's uh, Kellen Conley. Kel, how are you doing today? I'm great, Perry. It's good to be back, man. It's always, always good to sit in the seat that Derek used to occupy. So I'm happy to be here and I'm ready to talk about um, a black superhero. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my idea was I was thinking like, because I, I had already scheduled a bunch of interviews and I had actually had two more episodes scheduled to record before I actually started talking to you. And I'm like, wait, I should really do something for 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 February. I'm like, I don't want right. people to think that I'm just like, as soon as Derek's gone, I'm just not going to do it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, then I thought about, you know, asking you to come on and I thought, well, you know, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier would probably be a pretty good thing to talk about. Yeah, it's a very good thing to talk about. And honestly, I haven't talked about it on any podcast. So um, I'm very excited to, to talk about it, honestly, today. Yeah, we had, uh, Derek and I had mentioned a few times because it just started airing um right before he passed i'm not even sure yeah. if he actually managed to see the whole thing but i know he saw like at least like right. the first two episodes or so mm -hmm. they're very good episodes <laughs> so. very good episodes yeah um and 
So let's uh, let's jump right into it. What were yeah. some of your we're, and this uh, this first episode we're going to talk about you know the first three episodes. So that's mm-hmm. uh, New World Order, The Star Spangled Man, and Power Broker. And then the next episode we'll talk about the last three. So um, let's focusing just on these first episodes. What were kind of like what were kind of things you were you were thinking about um, when it aired when you first saw it? Well, when when they first announced it, um, I am all the way in on the MCU. Like they, they can mostly do no wrong. I still got to watch Eternals to give you a true opinion on that one. I got to rewatch it. But um, they've mostly never done wrong for me. So I was excited. I always liked the small moments that we got between Bucky and Falcon in the movies. So I, I thought that expanding upon that, especially with the events of Endgame and everything, mm. and with um, essentially uh, Cap passing the shield to Sam at the end of everything, um, I was eager to see exactly how that would play out. I didn't, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I didn't see the the full journey going the way I the way it did, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the beginning and everything when when Bucky is like, or not Bucky, Falcon immediately like gives up the shield. I was like, yo, what what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> and and I hadn't read any spoilers or anything. I so I had no clue what was coming, which I'm very glad that we went on that ride with him. But for him to immediately give up the shield and feel not worthy it it felt like something sam would do um but at the same time sam was just as big of a part of everything of uh saving the world just like the rest of the avengers were and so for him to kind of feel inadequate at first and feel like he's not deserving the shield um i thought it was a very good take because we've never seen anything with sam like on an emotional level like we got a lot of them in winter soldier but Mm -hmm. besides that it's all been like getting beat up by ant-man and then he'd show up in the movies and and kind of spar back with uh bucky and stuff but besides that we just never really had that exposure to him on a deeper level so i really think that it was a a cool thing that we got to see um sam shine in that way um especially like and go on that journey with him and starting with this episode um and then on the other side of it um, with Bucky, I thought for sure they were going to be grooming Bucky to be the next cap. Mm-hmm. So um, to see him dealing with therapy and then finding out, of course, that um, he had befriended someone that um, the father of someone he actually killed when he was under the Winter Soldier program was just crazy to me. And it was it was a hell of a start to the series, I thought, man. Like, I was ready for more as soon as I finished it. Yeah, same thing. I was, um, I was also kind of taken aback by, because I figured the my impression of the series going in because we knew that john walker was going to be in there and he was going to be the the new cap based on previews mm-hmm. and everything um uh what i thought was going to happen though was that sam was going to have the shield the whole time and then like later on he'd eventually you know put on the suit but i figured like at least in the beginning you know that shield that they give uh john walker i thought that would have actually been like a replica shield or something and sam would have had like the real thing so i was i was really kind of surprised to see like like you said like right at the front right at the start he's he's given the shield away right and he trusted the government which is crazy yeah (laughs) he's like yeah let me just give this to you guys and you guys will put it in the museum right Mm -hmm. yes we will sam absolutely don't you worry um but you did mention something in there that that really stood out to me and that's and, and I didn't really put those two things together, but you're right. We never really got a whole lot of of Sam on, on an emotional, personal level. Like mm-hmm. we get little, maybe a little bit of a hint of it in Winter Soldier when he's talking about his past and we see him, you know, counseling the veterans and stuff like that. But that was really about about it. Like other than that, it's just, you know, he's, he's Cap's backup. He's Cap's partner. He's just here to yeah. kind of like, you know, ride shotgun. 
and you know, and make funny jokes with uh, with Bucky and have <laughs> their whole rivalry thing going. Um, yes. But that was that was all that was it. And to see you know because I've seen Mackie and other things and he's a great actor and it was really nice Absolutely. to see him really kind of like you know get to flex those muscles in this role. Yeah, because like you said, he's been in um, many many movies. As this his filmography is huge and I, and he's always been a good actor to me. So seeing him come into the MCU was exciting because Winter Soldier was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like you said, he was just always in the background. So getting to see him, re- uh, especially like the scenes with um, his sister, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when like getting to see that he had a family and everything. And, and there, I mean, even though he... <laughs> Like it was the first episode, right? When they try to go to the bank and get a loan mm-hmm. and then, and, <laughs> and they're just like, uh, yeah, we, we can't give you a loan. Like, and he's like, what are you talking about? I saved the world. They're like, thank you. But uh, <laughs> that's not how credit works. Um, especially cause you disappeared for five years. So yeah. Um, and also like, uh, just a quick mention of it, even though it's a prevalent thing, especially in phase four, uh, the effects of the blip still being felt is, mm-hmm. is really something that's being well done because I could have easily just left it at the end of Endgame, but like everybody's back, the end. But we've, we've seen it affect uh, Far From Home. We've seen it affect WandaVision and just all these different scenarios are, are still playing out. And like even it's mentioned in Eternals, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's always a constant thing to blip, to blip, to blip. So it's nothing that they're just, this. Ha- it's not like in the comic books where it's like this crazy thing happened, but guess what? They saved the world and it's over. Right. That's how comic books work. They're actually still long-term effects. Um, from the blip, like Doctor Strange and even the the Sorcerer Supreme, because he was gone for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that that's something that's uh really cool. But, um, so Sebastian Stan is bringing just as much, um, is bringing just as much to his role as Bucky, um, as Mackie is because with uh Bucky, of course, we saw him be redeemed. Of course, once he went to Wakanda and. Uh, sure, he helped them with the brainwashing and getting over the programming. And then, of course, he blipped out, too. Um, and then next thing you know that he's back, then Cap's like, all right, I'll go take these stones. And then all of a sudden, Cap's back and he's old. And, mm-hmm. like, he never, I mean, obviously, he got to say goodbye. We, we assume that that Cap is still around some, at, at some point, old Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know if Chris Evans will ever come back to the role. He doesn't have to. He's done enough, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. But um, he, he, just getting to see more of him trying to come to grips with what he's done, especially with his um, him taking a cue from Cap's book with um, and Winter Soldier, you saw like Cap had a little notebook of things that he needed to catch up on. Like one of the example is uh, Sam was like, you need to listen to Marvin Gaye's Trouble mm-hmm. Man. And so Cap's like, let me write that down. <laughs> and he literally wrote it down. And so Bucky has taken a page from Cap and now he's actually has this list of people that he's done wrong. In the same he- book, actually. Yeah, and they exactly literally book. the same book. <laughs> yeah, so he he's going and trying to redeem and, and try to find for forgiveness in his own way while still being Bucky and, and the former Winter Soldier. And it's not like he's not known. So it's very hard to make amends when you literally have blood in your um in your um register. Is that how ledger? Like, what else? Right ledger. Ledger, yeah. ledger, yes, as a widow would put it. So um the setup of this was just brilliantly done, I thought. Yeah, um, I thought that the the relationship between Sam and Bucky is 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 so good in this because, you know, we gotten to see them, you know, being kind of antagonistic towards each other and kind of like this mm-hmm. fun way in, in Civil War, and then in Endgame, you know, we kind of got a little hint that maybe there's some kind of mutual respect for, for each other because there's that scene at the end when when Cap goes away and 
Right. And and like it's just like this small thing, but he just says he's like, "Hey, Sam," you know, and it's just like this, not antagonistic or anything. And he's got this knowing smile on his face the entire time. And and so like, cause cause he and this what we what I had suspected and what this series you know in the in the second half latter half confirms is that Cap had told Bucky about his plan and had talked mm-hmm. about passing on the shield to Sam. So Bucky had known that, which kind of explains like the way he was he kind of smiled and he kind of like you know nodded for for uh sam to go on and take the shield uh, and and one of the nice things i like about what this series did is it doesn't erase that kind of newfound mutual respect they have for each other but it also doesn't forget the kind of like animosity they had for each other either no like they they are the best of frenemies yeah exactly. exactly how they are that's the best way to put it yeah um and uh and I and we also get uh, some other, you know, one of the nice things here, nice surprises here is we get, um, you know, Rhodey popping up. Yes. Although one of the weird things is like he got nominated for like an Emmy or something for just that one cameo, and nobody else in the show got anything. Oh man, they must they must have been grasping at straws or mm-hmm. something. They're like, hey, uh, Don Cheadle hadn't been a nominator for some in a while. Let's- <laughs> Let's just throw the MCU a bone to get them to shut up about never getting nominated for anything. Even he was surprised. Like, I don't know why they nominated me for that. <laughs> Especially when he wasn't going to win, you know? Yeah. <laughs> definitely a, um, a, almost a pity nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you also mentioned there was um, Sam's sister in the, in the bank mm-hmm. scene. And one of the things I thought was really kind of funny about that scene is the whole thing of where we find out that the Avengers don't get paid because that's a... Right. That's a change from the comics because at least you know at least pre Bendis because um, you know when Bendis came along they'd already they'd already dissolved the old charter and everything but the original Avengers charter like all active members and um, and reserve members they get a they get a salary yeah like, they were you know, on Stark payroll yeah yeah they got a Stark payroll they were able to live in the in the mansion if they wanted to and and yeah if you were a reserve member then you got a slightly lower salary but yeah everybody got some sort of salary so for him to just be like he's like yeah tony stark didn't give us anything i'm like come on tony what the fuck man <laughs> it, it feels like one of those things that he just never got to mm. like like honestly let, let, let's think about it real quick because civil war happened he opened up the new facility and like th- things were kind of progressing pretty quick so mm-hmm. and then of course he fell out with cap and they weren't talking for uh for a long time honestly until end game when he showed back up on planet yeah um so it could have been something that was in the works. And then when the Sokovia Accords came out and everything, they're like, okay, we're going to all register. And then Cap's like, nah, I ain't registered nothing. So I'm sure at one point Tony's like, let's make this official, make sure everybody gets paid. And he just never got to it. And then the blip happened. And- yeah, I mean, come on, man. There was at least like a four-year gap between you know, the first Avengers movie and Civil War. You could have gotten Pe- something done. Pepper should have figured it out. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> but she probably was getting ready to work on it when she left them. So she wasn't around to do yeah. it either. <laughs> Dang, Tony, always leaving behind something mm-hmm. somebody else got clean up. Uh, but another nice thing here is we get um, we get Batrock back, uh, and I thought he was yeah. he was like the, he was this really cool little part in in um, Winter Soldier. And after that movie, I'm like, all right, that's it. We're never going to see Batrock again. And then he pops up here, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Bat Bat Batrock is great. Um, always like he's he's definitely in Cap's rogues gallery from the comic books. But he was just always, again, one of those people that pop up like, oh, look, it's Batrock month or month or two month. You know, mm-hmm. he was never, never somebody that really felt like a real threat. He was just somebody that Cap fought every now and then. Um, but he always had a, a cool back history. So seeing 
seeing him come into the, the movies like we did um again we thought maybe he'd be around longer but he wasn't in the films but he he's utilized really well in this series mm-hmm. too i think so I, I was happy to see batrock as well yeah and uh, you also talked about the blip and i think this at least up up until now i think no other show or movie has really dealt with the blip in as much of a focus as, as this series has so far. Yeah, I mean, the whole plot kind of hinges on it a little bit, mm. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it it makes so much sense because, you know, in some of the other stuff, it's just kind of this, okay, yeah, we're, we got to mention this and get it out of the way. Like, Far From Home kind of felt like that in a little bit. It's yes. just like they got that little thing at the beginning, and but then it's like, okay, let's move on then from the blip. Right. And Eternals, too, like you said, it was just kind of like, you know, a little mention here, and that was about it, but... And WandaVision also, a little bit of a mention, but it wasn't really the focus at all. Mm-hmm. This really dials in, and it's like the whole thing revolves around it. And I was not expecting this much emphasis on it, which is oh, good, no. too. It was, one of the, it was one of the nice little surprises about this show. Yeah, and, and the way that they built it up, and like I said, put it right in the plot, like the idea that there was five years where half the population on Earth was gone. So, yeah, there was all this these places where people used to live that was available to people who didn't have anything mm-hmm. and so for world leaders honestly <laughs> to sit there and be like oh well they're back and it was theirs before so they get to take it back is just a little crazy like i i could honestly see this being a huge hot button topic if it was the real world oh yeah um, because how, how do you tell these people who who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and, and took advantage of the, this property that was available, especially for five years, and then tell them, oh, well, you got to move and you don't have anywhere to go now because uh, the blip happened and they're all back. So they want their property back. Like it, it's a very catch 22 situation. Mm. And it, it's very much playing up into those like kind of imperialist colonial themes that I think that the show is kind of dealing with on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a subtler level because this idea of like, hey, you know, when we need you, we're going we're gonna to take advantage of all this help you're giving us. And then as soon as we don't need you anymore, well, you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I, I hate it. Like I, I, I felt, I actually was really on the attacking the side with them this whole thing. Like I, I felt for their cause, like, did they go a little far? Obviously. I mean, they had to in order to catch, to uh, be a big, as big of a threat as they were throughout the show. But um yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's like there's kids that literally have nowhere to go now because mm. the government says they got to go. So mm. it, it's really something that plucked, plucked the heartstrings. And that's not something that the show did very well throughout everything. Because, yeah, there was all the action and stuff. It's like, yeah, man, it's so cool. Like, oh, my God, Zemo's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there there was some real issues being dealt with on the other side of the um, dial. So they, they covered their bases really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Flag Smashers had very, mm, very legitimate complaints in here. Um, yeah. And I didn't realize this because I thought maybe they created Carly Morgenthau for the for the show. But it turns out it's just a, the original Flag smash, Smasher in the comics was Carl Morgenthau. So they just, mm-hmm. they just uh, gender swapped him. Yeah, which is fine with me. Which I, yeah, I, I didn't hear anybody little, complaining. Yeah, yeah, that was a neat little, that was a nice little twist. Um, yeah. And it was kind of, it was, it because I think in the in the comics, the Flag Smasher was like his identity, and then Ultimatum was like his organization or something like that. Right. And this they just kind of like combine those two things and just make the organization the Flag Smashers, which I thought made a lot of sense, and it really it really worked for for what they were doing, and it 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 totally fit 
like the flag smashers are pretty much tailor made for this situation. So I thought it was yeah. a really good use of that. Right. Um, Cause whenever you need that kind of organization, who's going to cause havoc, but you don't want it to be on a global destruction level. <laughs> mm. um, I, I, those flag smashers are kind of perfect for that kind of thing. So yeah, I agree. Uh, and then, um, well, let's talk about the new cap now. Uh, John yes. Walker comes in, Wyatt Russell. Uh following his his dad's footsteps into the MCU. Yes. Yes. Um I'm going to say this right now. Um I loved most every moment that John Walker was Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um because one like again I I I didn't have a clue. Like I I saw it like maybe right well obviously I saw that in episode 1 and I was like yo they're doing John Walker. So I I was completely blindsided by that. Um but then I was a fan of U.S. Agent um, from the comic books mm-hmm. um, and also from fan fiction because uh, one of my friends, uh, Clayton Tooley, he yeah, used to yeah. write that for Marvel Anthology back in the day. And I fell in love with his version of John Walker. And to say that they nailed who John Walker, Captain America was, is an understatement mm-hmm. because he's cocky. He, he, has, he, he has the work ethic. They didn't go the route of immediately powering him up. Um, eventually they did get there, but if there was anybody who was the right candidate to replace Cap, mm-hmm. they kind of picked the right person. Except the only difference is Cap wasn't in, wasn't a complete jerk, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. John Walker definitely was. But at the same time, Walker had good intentions. It was just his ego would constantly get in the way. <laughs> so I absolutely liked about. 85 percent of the things he did on mm-hmm. the show up until obviously when he, uh, he went a little nuts <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah i thought he did it i mean it, it shows you what a great job he did is we're watching i'm watching the show and my wife is kind of like tuning in and out and and she is like i miss chris evans <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like i don't like this guy he's an asshole and i'm like well yeah that's kind of the point that's he's the point an asshole. <laughs> right I mean, that shows you he's doing the, he's doing his job mm-hmm. um but one of the things that i liked about because with U.S. Agent in the comics, there's um, there's a tendency to go too far with him being an asshole and just make him an, oh, unlikable, yeah. an unlikable prick. It all and depends I think, on the writer. Yeah, yeah. And I think this this series did a really good job of going, taking you right up to that line, but not crossing over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like- Because he was on. honestly just trying to be, do the best he could, man. Yeah, like yeah. He, he really wanted to fill those shoes. And I like that they didn't go the, the jingoistic route, which is sometimes what they do in the comic books. They mm-hmm. completely o- avoided that. And, and and also I was kind of I was really surprised that you know Battlestar got so much play in this series. Oh, I know. I mean, he he was a vital part of the of the storyline too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was real happy to see him. Uh, um I, I enjoyed his rapport with um with uh with John. Um mm-hmm. I thought you could really tell that they were best friends, and it was a nice um it, it was nice to see their rapport in comparison to Cap and Bucky's rapport, especially like pre Winter Soldier and after Winter Soldier, like it really shows that when, when you're in these military situations and even in a fictional world, you Mm -hmm. go to war and you're only surrounded by literally the other people that go to war with. And there are literally lifelong, lifelong bonds that you make with these other people. And you all hope to come home Mm -hmm. and not everybody does, but when you do, a lot of times it's just like picking up with your best friend, no matter what. And because literally they were there with you when you're both of your 
one, both of your bacon was in the fire, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I really did like to see how they um, came together um, and how they, they dealt with it, one another. And, and it was cool to kind of see, especially once they um, they got battle starring and him going and stuff, they're their synergy on the battlefield was kind of mm. crazy. Like they were nice with it. Yeah. And again, it just showed why, even though the government should never gave Cap shield away, why the government almost made the right choice to replace Cap. And unless I'm mistaken, in the comics, um, Battlestar was kind of portrayed as uh, kind of dim-witted, wasn't he? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I like that they didn't go that, and then they made him kind of like the brains of the operation here. Right. He was the more rational one because John was more reactionary. Yeah. So he, he was the one who was kind of like, all right, well, let's play it like this. And then John would listen to him at first. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> then then uh, they would go from there. So um, I, I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, he was he was a really good addition. I was not expecting to get as much of him in the series. Uh, and one of the things that surprised me, too, is we have they, they created a wife for for walker in this but she doesn't really have any purpose in the series other than just being there yeah um i thought that was interesting but i I don't i think that might have been i think it was more like they felt like it was needed to try to add to and to make him more likable it's like Mm -hmm. oh well he has a wife and everything there are stakes for him involved versus just making him this uh suddenly single uh, Captain America, who he literally was everywhere. Like he, he was on Good Morning America. He was uh, like billboards everywhere. Like it, it was literally like it, it was everything that uh these that celebrities in America um are today, where they're constantly everywhere. It was like cap, 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 and it was like all anybody was talking about. So I think they did that in an effort to humanize them and kind of put more emphasis on the man behind the new cap. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel like it was needed, um, though. So I, I kind of yeah. see what they were going for, though. I mean, I think because this this series, I think probably more than any other, it really suffered because of the pandemic. Because they had they had to yeah. shut down production in the middle of it, and right because this was originally supposed to come out before Black Widow, I believe, or Black Widow yeah. was supposed to come out before this. I think is I think it was. it was I think it was Black Widow was supposed to be March of 2020, mm-hmm. and then I think this was supposed to follow because WandaVision kind of came out on time i believe i think it was still it was supposed to be like late 2020 late 2020 into early 2021 was was Mm -hmm. the projected time for wandavision so i think that was mostly still on time despite the pandemic um but i believe you're correct a widow was supposed to come out first and then we were supposed to jump right to cap so i'm or falcon winter soldier sorry Mm -hmm. um so i i'm i'm guessing that they switched they may have changed up the stinger credits on black Mm -hmm. widow uh, base because obviously they introduced um oh, drawing a blank uh julie louis dreyfus's character yeah yeah um, in this series first yeah um and we'll talk about her more in the, Contessa, in the next episode because yeah i got a lot to say about her uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah and also like the the episodes had kind of changed the storyline even changed because originally they were supposed to the the flag smashers were really supposed to try and release a bioweapon. That was like their, mm. their thought. And then because of the pandemic, they were just kind of like, you know, maybe we shouldn't use a biological weapon here. <laughs> maybe that's a little insensitive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So they changed yeah. a lot of stuff around. And I think, and um, that may have been some stuff with the, um, with John's wife getting kind of like, you know, pushed to the wayside as a result of this. Yeah, she might, she might have had a more media role, mm-hmm. role before they had to change things. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the big star of at least these first three episodes, though, 
mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, basically really the third episode is really where, cause he, he's just appears at the end in the second episode is, you know, Baron Zemo coming back. Ah, uh, yes. And I was so looking <laughs> forward to see, cause you know, we talked about this when we talked about way back when we talked about civil war is that up until Thanos, uh, Zemo was my second favorite villain in the MCU. Um, I thought he was like the, you know, more, or actually I should say up until Killmonger, but like up until that yeah. point, he was just like, like second only to Loki. Cause he had like such good motivation. It was the first time in the MCU when the villain actually won because he'd gotten everything he wanted. Yeah, basically. He, he really did. Yeah. Um, Zemo. I didn't think we were going to see Zemo in the series. So when, when they went on Barnes and Wilson decide we're going to go see Zemo. I was like, yo, wait a minute. They're going to, they're going to go see him. That, that's crazy. But out of, out of all the uh, major villains in MCU le- leading up to um, essentially leading up to civil war, um, most of them were, um, you know, it was like Loki, obviously was a brother of Thor. Iron Man was Iron Monger. And then it became Av- or Avalanche. Am I using no, Whiplash? No, whiplash. <laughs> whiplash. And then um, in Cap's movies, it was um, Red Skull. And then Civil War was, a, or not, uh, Winter Soldier essentially shield against Cap <laughs> was, was really what it was. Um, so it was all things that had been triggered by obviously the superheroes. And the superheroes also triggered Zemo. But as we learned in the beginning of the movie, it was due to the collateral damage from Ultron. Ultron's another mm-hmm. one there. There you go. Of course, Tony and and um Bruce. and Bruce Bruce made uh made Ultron. So it was always a cause and effect thing. Now there was cause and effect in Civil War, but again it, w- it was cause of collateral damage. Uh Sokovia happened, his family died, and literally he as we find out in this series, he he's way more there's way more to him than what we saw in Civil mm-hmm. War. But he literally found his way to get the get the Winter Soldier codes, break into the Winter Soldier's um, containment unit, turn him back into the Winter Soldier, and he just kept sitting all these. He was always just one step ahead of the heroes until T'Challa caught up with them at the end of Civil War. So I really liked him as well, and and he literally fractured Tony and Cap, which mm-hmm. who 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 would have thought that even thinkable until. Tony realized that Cap knew that Bucky had killed his parents. Um, so, and I still won't forget that reveal. So I also just love Zemo and I love the way they use him in this entire series. Yeah. And, and they, they take him to the next level. Like I did not expect, cause I figured, oh, he's, he's just going to be Zemo here. There, there's no gonna, not going to be any Baron Zemo, but then they walk out and they walk into the garage. He's like, oh, this is my, this is my, my I was, a, I'm a Baron. And I'm like, yeah, they made him way, Baron Zemo. <laughs> I love that. Yes. They gave him his royal lineage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they brought back, they brought, they gave him the sock mask too, the purple yeah, mask. I love that. He got that. the mask on and, and he was holding his own, man. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't no, no kind of situation where, like it was ever Zemo's in trouble. No, no, Zemo, Zemo could have went toe to toe with Cap if he had to. Man, mm-hmm. I, I would have, I would like. Um, maybe we still will here in the future. Um, I would like to see them actually square up and and see a, a fight in MCU between the two of them because it will be really good. I think. Also, they did a really good job of incorporating not only the the mask but other elements of his costume. Like even like with the coat he's wearing, it's got the, the fur collar with the, yes. with the little little um, polka dots, just like in the comics he wears. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I love that. 
and he and he's so funny because he didn't get mm-hmm. to be funny in civil war um he was always so serious like oh uh, you ruined my life and now he's like yeah you ruined my life but i can also be fun <laughs> and he he's a welcome comic relief throughout all of it and he never looks i mean he has his moments where he looks out for other people but he never stops putting baron zemo as priority number one mm-hmm. even when we think he's not and and i just love it i'm here for it yeah i loved how and like you said, he's he provides this comic relief, but it never does it at the expense of making him like a like a goofy character or a slapstick no. character. Like it, it's not like a Justin Hammer situation. No, he's um, cool, funny. Like Tony yeah, exactly. To yeah, yeah, and like it just like, and he says things that he's making sense. And even you know, I love my my favorite line. I think from this is when, you know, taking it back to what you mentioned about about Trouble Man when, you know. Um, when Bucky takes out the little book and Sam's like, hey, yeah, Steve had that book. I told him about Marvin Gaye and he wrote it down in there. He's like, do you like Marvin Gaye? He's like, eh, it was, it's not really my thing. And, <laughs> and he's like, well, you've got to listen to it. And then Zemo, he's like, it's like, he's like, trouble man. It perfectly captures the African-American experience. And Sam's just like, he's like, well, look, he shouldn't be saying that shit, but he's right. <laughs> he's right. He's right. Like he, he's, that's, he's not allowed to say that, but he's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, oh man, I love that scene. Just, and, it's just the little things. And just like the dancing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, dancing in the club, man. Yeah. Like they literally, Marvel literally put on their YouTube channel. I, I think it's still up. Of mm-hmm. just, it's like a, what? They did like an hour long cut of him just mm-hmm. doing a little bop in the club. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I want to be Baron Zemo when I grow up, I think. I think I finally figured it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another thing they brought in in that third episode, which is probably like the first biggest X-Men connection we've gotten in the MCU, is they go to Madripoor. Mm-hmm. And, and I, as soon as they said Madripoor, I'm like, yes, yes, it's happening. It's happening. I know that they're good. They're going to draw X-Men as long as they can. And I don't know if you've seen the Doctor Strange trailer, but... Oh, yeah, um, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so... I think we're close to entering that world. Um, obviously, it's the multiverse world, but still, mm-hmm. we're very close to it. But uh, yeah, hearing here anything X-Men in the MCU is just so cool because, again, it's just something we've been chomping at the bit for. So mm-hmm. even to get like a city that we know is well-known throughout the mutant universe. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, uh, and this this second watch around, I noticed the they had the princess bar there in the background. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. notice that before. Yeah, I, I think I missed that the first time too, so... Um, that that's definitely in there and again the mcu was just so good at planting the seeds mm-hmm. so that when they're ready for the seeds to grow and pop up it's like oh yeah and like that that's just another thing that they've always stayed good at so i i'm glad that they are continuing that tradition one of the things i think that they they're doing is um and this this has been um you know, uh, and I've talked. I talked to some people who, who know people who who work on some of this stuff, and it's they don't have things all planned out like a lot of people think. They but they kind of they're they're kind of winging it in a way. But they kind of do that thing that Claremont used to do when he was writing the X Men, where he'll he'll drop these little nuggets in, and then when he doesn't know what to do for a story, he goes back and he's like, "Oh, that's right, I planned it this year, so now I can write right. a story about that." Right, and that's, and that's just smart. That's smart it, writing. It's and it's and it, it it works in such a it works in a way where it makes you think that everything's been planned out when really it's not. Um, but it, it's led to some really nice little kind of surprises, like um, uh, in um, in in Iron Man two, for example, when they had the little kid, and then it's like later on they're like, oh, that was that was Peter Parker, right? Um, 
or Shang-Chi's father, right? And the Mandarin and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And where they yeah. planted that in at the end of um, in the All Hail the King and then that there's a real Mandarin out there. And then everyone's like, okay, we're never going to see him. And then boom, here, here comes Tony Lung and he's Shang-Chi's father. And he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's awesome, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and that's okay that it's not all planned out. But mm-hmm. like you said, it, it, as long as they know they have those to fall back on sometimes and they can build on them, it's it's always a nice little um emergency exit in case they have mm-hmm. to use it for something yeah and i think that's and it, it as a writer and i think you'll probably relate to this too it, but it it makes me feel a little bit better about myself because there's lots of times when you know you're writing stuff and you're just kind of like yeah i know i should be planning this stuff out but you know mm-hmm. i'm just gonna write it and see where it goes and yeah then, and then you kind of feel like you get that little imposter syndrome going on and then <laughs> and then because then you read interviews with you know quote unquote real writers and they're like oh yeah i had it all planned out and i took and then right. and then you really ask them they're like no no man i didn't really <laughs> <out."> <laughs> i mean derek was the same way because Der- derek when he got in the mode mm-hmm. derek would just write and write and write and write and so there would be things that i would mention to him or that somebody else would mention to him about something he wrote he like i put that in there <laughs> and, he had, and he'd always be like he's like yeah i did put that in there um that's exactly what i wanted to do and then obviously he didn't but I mean, then he was probably just made a little note. He's like, I put this in the last train <laughs> to Koshara so I can, you know, um, so so it, it is something that writers naturally do. And the good ones are able to pick back up on it and reuse it <laughs> later versus uh, people who just leave plots hanging all over the place like Howard Mackey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who thought we were going to get a Howard Mackey reference on this episode? I was not we down there, that, bingo yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also we get um, at the very end of the the last episode we're going to talk about here. You know we get the the, the Dora Milaje pop up. Like I was not expecting anything from Wakanda to pop up in here. I'm glad they went there, man, because because obviously Wakanda is responsible for Bucky getting better. Um, I he's their White Wolf. I really feel like there is a lot of um, and we saw a little bit of it here. I think there's a lot of respect. And love and admiration between uh, the people of Wakanda and T'Challa um, mm-hmm. and um, and Bucky, uh, especially because they they literally saved his life. So I'm glad that um <laughs> I'm glad that we that they made that connection, and then also that Shuri was smart enough <laughs> to put <laughs> to make his arm <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to shut down his arm. And he's like, <laughs> and then he's like. We're always, I don't know what she said. I can't remember, but uh, it was pretty much along the lines of we, are, we prepare for everything. Mm-hmm. So especially when you're a, a assassin turned back to normal, air quotes. So- Oh, so that's actually thing. the the next part. So before let's let's table that discussion. And uh, yeah. the last thing we got to talk about, which we haven't talked about yet, is Isaiah Bradley and bringing yeah. in the stuff from the truth. From, um, from, yeah, I, I wasn't, I was I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here real quick. Um, the, I read the truth years ago and I was floored that Marvel would even have, I mean, cause that was 2001 when all that came out. Yeah. Um, so I was floored that Marvel even had, and, and I mean, it was 2001 and Marvel's always been kind of progressive, but Marvel literally said, Oh, oh, by the way, um, they took all these, um, black, black guys and experimented on them and tried to, um, you know, give them super soldier for, formula and, and make them superheroes. And then this guy came the closest, but um, we just never utilized them. And then we tortured them for years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it just blew my mind. And then, and then for them to bring that into the MCU and have Sam discover that there was a black captain America, mm. um, which he had no idea, obviously. Um, I, I think that's, this is obviously where the seeds are sown for his regrets about giving up the shield, because obviously, as we are going to talk about later, one of the things he says is America will never accept a black, a black man as Captain mm-hmm. America. Um, so to find out that America went to that well, but then America also was America and didn't actually pull the trigger on utilizing Isaiah Bradley properly and then throwing and then essentially just be being horrible to him for 30 mm-hmm. years. Um, it, it, it may, it really, I think I cried twice in a series and th- and this was it. And then when, when later on, when Sam takes over mm-hmm. and his first time he's on screen, it was kind of like, it, it felt like a moment. It, it felt like a, a black Panther moment where it was like, mm-hmm. yo, this is, this is super dope. Um, but yeah, just hearing Isaiah Bradley go over everything that they did to him and then his reluctance to talk to Sam and him telling, essentially telling Sam that, um, they're like they'll never respect you and and they'll never love you and you'll not you'll never be able to fill his shoes and Mm -hmm. and even even as a hero he was he was saying like it's not worth it they they don't care about you and they never will it 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 really hit home uh Mm -hmm. obviously i'm not a superhero but it's something that um something that i deal with every day you know just just being black in case you're not watching the video (laughs) um he did say black nerd earlier yeah you know, you know, these are these are things that we think about um and that aren't normally touched upon um or worried about by by uh white people, uh mm-hmm. so to speak. So I really liked that they were willing to go that in depth and and mine the truth because like you don't Marvel really hadn't talked a lot about it because if you remember like when Casada and, and Bill Jemis was in charge and they put out like all these controversial series like of course like you remember that that marvel series where it was like aunt may is a young oh girl yeah yeah her. trouble yeah trouble and then and then this came out so they were like putting out this edgy content and then when there was any kind of pushback on it they're like oh yeah we're just trying it out uh well you know don't and any kind of distance themselves mm-hmm. so for for them to go back um and and make that into the mcu and literally put into the mcu i, I really mm-hmm. thought was a very cool thing to do yeah, and i think i think it shows the strength of the truth miniseries compared to some of those other things um because mm-hmm. like you know trouble that was just you know weird mark millar was drunk or something and he was just like he's mark like why Millar's don't we do this drunk yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he's it he's always like if he's not literally drunk he's at least like you know mentally drunk or something like i just that. found out the other day perry that he took over Ultimate X-Men when oh, he started Ultimate X-Men and he, he didn't know nothing about the X-Men that, like, that he, makes total sense and i was just like no wonder it was so weird because yeah, it's like yeah. Bendis had had some spider background and he just kind of introduced the elements in his own way and stuff. Mm. But the first couple, that first X-Men run was just so crazy. And I was like, why would they do that? But at the same time, they were just all about trying to sell books. So I do like, remember I had gone back. I remember because I remember back when it was coming out, like I loved it, you know, being mm-hmm. a being a teenager at the time and then rereading it later. And you're just like, what? <laughs> It seemed like some bad fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was just like I remember one review I had I had read way back in the day after the the, the I think it was after the the sixth issue. And the the reviewer has said, like, I'm tired of this adolescent exercise in dick waving. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if there's ever been 
a quote that perfectly sums up Miller's work. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the killer thing, though, and we'll get back to Cap, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier in a minute, but I do want to get this out. Is like the killer thing, though, is that he can be a good writer when he tries. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Red Sun was amazing. Oh, and, Red Sun was great. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, Red, Red Sun was, is a great one. And then Kick Ass. I really liked the first Kick Ass. I thought I thought that was really cool. I hated Wanted personally, but yeah, when he wanted. shines, he re well, it was so stupid at the end. <laughs> like you're an idiot for reading this book. Like, mm. uh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Enjoy Moore. the castle that we helped fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so when he's on, he's on. But when he's just throwing things at a wall, like even he wrote uh, Wolverine: Enemy of the State, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and Wolverine Agent of Shield, like even that stuff. Well, also like, like Old Man Logan, right? Like there's there's a like Old half Man of that Logan. is half of that is amazing, and then you've got redneck hulks fucking <laughs> each other. And I'm like, what? The <laughs> I was gonna say incestuous. Yeah, redneck hulks. Don't leave that part out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark Millar has a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, here, folks. <laughs> there you go. Send any hate mail to Kellen Conley. <laughs> yeah, B hyphen, B H Y P H E, and at gmail.com. There you go. Uh, but, but yeah, and I think that one of the things that, going back to what I was saying about the truth, is that, you know, when it was announced, along with the midst of all this other stuff, like trouble and all this other stuff, is like you look at it and you think, oh, they're just, they're just trying to be controversial. But then you read the truth, you sit down and you read it, and it's an amazing book. Like mm -hmm. it is. It, it's so good it's so well done and um and i think that's I why to revisit it, it yeah yeah and i think that's why it stood the test of time they recently released a, a collection of it because it had been oh did they it had been yeah the collection had been out of print for a while and i think it was like maybe last year they had a black history month sale where i got where they had all the individual issues for free oh nice um but now they've released a, a new trade i saw the other day on comics okay so, i'm gonna have to check that out yeah because literally i haven't i have not read it since it came out i don't think but I, it impacted me then yeah um and i'm sure it'll have a same impact on me now but it's something too that they've gone back and they've revisited since right mm -hmm. and like um you know one of my favorite instances when when christopher priest was doing the crew and he introduced uh yeah. isaiah's son josiah x right and basically you know malcolm x and the, and the marvel universe <laughs> who becomes captain america or he should should have become captain america should, yeah should have been captain america yeah um, um and that was a character concept. that i wish we'd gotten to see again because he hasn't popped up since that series um but then we also got you know eli bradley and the young avengers mm -hmm. at patriot so yeah. you know they've had they've kept they've kept that legacy alive in the comics at least which you know and i think that's a testament to how powerful that original series was and to bring in carl lumley to play isaiah in this was just oh man brilliant perfect casting because <laughs> you know Carl Lumley, for a lot of people, is the first Black superhero in, in media. Because, yeah, you had, you know, I know you had um, Robert Townsend before him and, you know, the guy who played Abar. But the people, one that most people, I think, remember is Carl Lumley as the Mantis. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I loved the Mantis as a kid, man. That that show was incredible. <laughs> that show was incredible. Um, so to, to see him come full circle and get to play this role, like who who would have thought when he was doing a Fox TV show mm -hmm. that years later he would get to be the Black Captain America, the first yeah. Black Captain America in the MCU? So um, that that was a very cool um, nod that they decided to go that route in casting. Yeah, 
And they had that element of tragedy because if you remember in the truth, like his mind had been kind of degraded from all the experiments yeah. they had done on him. Mm-hmm. And in this one, and I think they kind of combined elements of Josiah's story with Isaiah and to make the, he's almost like a composite character in that way. Cause he's very much, he's very much with it. Uh, but they added that element of tragedy because in the comic books, you know, his wife is still alive and she's taking care of him. Yeah. Um, but here they have the aspect, his wife is dead and she died while he was in prison. They never let him read any of the letters she sent and all that. And that yeah, adds- They did him a, so dirty. A, it adds a whole different element of tragedy to his story because you, at least in the in the comics, you know, he's not really fully aware of what had happened to him. This guy mm-hmm. knows everything that happened to him. Yeah, and, and that just makes his, his story even more tragic mm-hmm. um, because- <laughs> I know that we have a way of blocking things out, but literally he says that he remembers everything. Mm -hmm. So I I can't imagine having to wake up every day in the kind of nightmares or even the the daymares that he might have to experience just from the traumas he's seen. So it it really did bring a lot of weight to his character and a real sharp jolt of uh, reality to Sam. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that Sam wasn't uh, grounded enough, but I kind of feel like it was just something a side that if they were going to go the route that they're going to make Sam cap, they, they did need to really bring the black experience to the table and not just be like, here, Sam, here you go. And Sam be like, mm-hmm. thanks. I'm going to be the best cap ever. And then end credits. Like he has to, he has to weigh both sides of the coin. Um, and I, I think that's important uh, just to his character and a, a testament to, um, to, um, my my brain sucks. <laughs> a testament the Anthony Mackey's acting ability. Yes. Yeah, and um, and also tying into that too, like when they leave Isaiah's house and the cops try and stop them, like oh, that was just like I'm just like oh, and yeah. and the the heel turn as soon as they realize who he is, and I'm just like mm-hmm. I'm like that's just it, it yeah. kills you, and it's just like it's like you know what yeah you're you're all apologies now because you know he's a superhero who can kick your ass but right you know it's just like up until that point and i imagine it's probably the same thing with you know black guys who are athletes or celebrities or something yeah. like that like they get pulled over and it's like it's like hey hey that's that, that's the guy like oh oh shit i'm so sorry mr you know so and so and right it's the exact same thing i imagine yeah mostly what i would think it would happen more with athletes because with celebrities, I feel like a, a cop like, oh, I'm about to take down Snoop Dogg. I'm, like, I'm definitely going to make this arrest. <laughs> Not that anybody should be arresting Snoop's old ass. But, um, I mean, yeah, it, it literally happens all the time where um, someone's racially profiled and the police go after a black guy. And then they're like, oh, oh and then they start running stuff. And they're like, oh, we didn't realize you were um, the sixth man off the next bench. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry about that. And then we'll just send you on away. And it's like, uh, yeah, but you, you kind of... Uh, made me get on the ground and everything you cut mm-hmm. me before you took my ID and ran it. And so um, it, it was very, again, grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, that was another way to drive home the point to Sam that even if you're Captain America, you think he's, somebody's like, going to pull him over and be like, oh crap, you're Captain America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just awful. Well, it's also an echo of what happens at the bank, right? When the, the mm-hmm. guy's like, you're, you're Falcon. And he's like, oh, high five. And he's like, you know, can I, can I get a selfie with you? And then he's just like, <laughs> and he's like, really? You want to get, you want to get a selfie with me after you just denied me alone? Not alone. I just yeah. like, yeah. Oh man. It's a cruel, cruel place. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 
it, it, and those little moments are, are, I like the, the series doesn't make them the focus, but it kind of does in another mm-hmm. way, right? It, it all kind of builds up to the, these larger themes they're talking about. I thought it did a really good job with those things. Yeah. Um, because again, in order for them to really sell Sam as cap, you have to look at all sides of it mm-hmm. and you can't just, you can't just give Sam the shield because the fanboy like, oh, well, we don't want Sam to be the be cap. And we didn't like it when he was a cap in the comic books, blah, blah, blah. We don't like that. <laughs> um, it, it, to kind of have Sam truly go on a, a journey and really, really work to earn to be cap. Cause we're going to talk about it here on the next episode, but the shield scenes later where he's just training mm. phenomenal. And it, again, grounded in reality that you can't just pick up Cap's shield and sling it and it comes back to you. No, you've got to train with that mf man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially because he easy doesn't have do. any super soldier serum in him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and um, yeah, just like the, the first three episodes, I think, are just, you know, solid all the way through. I think right. in the latter half that the series stumbles a little bit and that's when you really feel the, the pandemic effects and the rewrites <laughs> coming in. Yes. But the first three episodes totally solid and just like um the stuff with isaiah the stuff with zemo all of it just works together perfect and the action like you know it's basically you know looking at the trailers everyone was doing was saying like oh it's you know you know falcon and 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 bucky they're the they're the Riggs and Murtaugh of the, of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. It's like leave a weapon MC. Yeah yeah and I'm like and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I love right. it. <laughs> yeah um yeah, the first the first three episodes do so much world building in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And we really haven't haven't even touched on Bucky that much because it's been so Sam focused so far. Mm-hmm. But 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 Bucky goes on his own journey as well. And both characters come out better than they were at the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's something that was super important going into this as well. Because people and even friends of mine are skeptical about the MCU Disney Plus shows because they're like, Oh, I want to watch the put I don't want to watch 10 episodes of of Winter Soldier and Falcon. I don't want to do that. I just want to watch a, a two and a half hour movie. Like that, that's cool. But at the same time, you have to realize that you're you're getting just as much story from the TV series mm-hmm. as you are from a movie and it's broken up. So yeah, it sucks waiting week to week when you're watching it live. Um, but it, it's still the same MCU tried and true storytelling method. And it's allowing them to really dive deeper into those characters you know like mm-hmm. we were talking about you know we didn't really see that much it, it's it's funny when you look back at it in retrospect because when you were saying that i i that hadn't clicked with me because i'm just like oh yeah that's right we didn't really get a whole lot of of, of sam in the in the movies yeah. and we kind of take it for granted after we see this show it's like oh yeah and you know because we had, we also got the impressions of him from the comics too so we right. kind of build this character in our mind and we kind of think that he's had more screen time than he actually has had and I think the same thing, same is true with Wanda and, and Vision. Like we got, oh yeah. I mean, because you know, we thought we knew everything about Wanda and Vision mm-hmm. before before Wanda Vision. Like I was like, oh yeah, you know, she she's Quicksilver's brother, and he died in Age of Ultron, and then she lost her accent, and she fell in love with Vision, and they ran away, and and there, there was just so much more to explore. And they and mm-hmm. we're not talking about Wanda Vision clearly, but they did a wonderful job. Um, exploring both of those characters yeah uh, as, uh, again especially at the end with the pandemic whereas like especially it was early pandemic so they're literally like all right we're only gonna put two of you together mm-hmm. um try to make magic <laughs> <laughs> um so i i'm appreciative 
of a of the tv series personally same and here. yeah it's 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 more more watching i guess but you would just go sit there and watch uh winter soldier again anyway mm-hmm. so why not watch Falcon I mean, it does soldier? it does drive me crazy when i see people on twitter saying like oh there's too much superhero stuff and i'm like motherfucker do you know what it was like for us when we were kids i mean we would have we would have you know pushed our grandma down a flight of stairs to get this much content back God, do you remember the 2000s Perry? Yeah. like <laughs> there was so like everybody's like, oh let's do a serial movie here's ghost rider like, <laughs> okay like oh here's the watchman which I, I i haven't watched in years but i did like the watchman the first when i first saw it you go um, way back to one of our early episodes we talked about that and i tore into that movie <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's easy to do yeah crazy to do but there there was way more misses than there were hits there was oh yeah yeah 2003 hawk which well, some I mean, people love some people hate it go back earlier right you know remember like the mid 90s when we yes. had nick fury and generation x <laughs> or almost had uh roger corman fantastic four yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've come a long way or um you know we had van on talking about uh infinity war in the last episode and he was talking about how he's like you know you know back before the mcu you know we had like you know this really bad thor and a hulk movie tv movie right right yeah yeah man it's just like and when i see yeah when i see people complaining about there's too much i'm like just like motherfucker just shut up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so those are the two big takeaways mark millard's drunk and you know just shut up (laughs) shut up enjoy the mcu and shut up yeah yeah all right um but i think (laughs) i think that wraps up the the first three episodes um yeah yeah we talked about madripoor sharon carter showed up we're going to talk, sure, about, her, we'll talk about her more in the next episode. Absolutely. Think, yeah. Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of going with her. Uh, mm-hmm. And some interesting turns they took with her character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Kel, you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah. You can um, follow me on Twitter at B hyphen, B H Y P H E N. Um, all of anything I'm working on, I always post on there. Um, I have a link tree link in there and it has like my YouTube channel videos I'm working on or any podcasts I'm doing. I have two podcasts. I have a wrestling one called Rasselcast Power Hour and then my own podcast, Hyphen Nation. Um, that comes out when I find time during the week. But there's like hundreds of episodes for you to listen to. So you can go check that out or you can just go to hyphenuniverse.com and all the links are conveniently placed on the front page. Okay, great. And uh, <laughs> as for for my stuff, I've got... Um, you're listening to this now. I've got a, a science fiction serial. So if you're a Kindle Vela reader, um, I got that out now. It's called Corsairs. Uh, you can find out that, all other information about my writing at percivalconstantine.com. And for this show, superherocinephiles.com, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Superhero Cinephiles on Facebook. You know, like us, review us um, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your shows. And yeah, yeah. and do five stars, even, five even stars, if you hate yeah. the show. Even give if them you hate five the show, stars. do it anyway. <laughs> And on Spotify, you can do the five stars too if you haven't abandoned it because of Joe Rogan. So that's your choice. (laughs) He's trash. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to throw that out there. I still use Spotify, but he's trash. Another hot take. (laughs) Yes. All right. Mark Mark Miller's drunk and and Joe Rogan is trash. (laughs) (laughs) Fully endorsed by the show. show. Yeah. All right. That does it for us. And come back to the next episode where we're going to be talking about the latter half of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Mr. Bradley, um, we got to do something. We got to tell somebody. No. Leave me dead. My name is Barrett. But the world's different now. I know people. Man, that's why you're here? You think things are different? 
You think times are different? You think I wouldn't be dead in a day if you brought me out? You want to believe jail was my fault because you got that white man's shield. They were worried my story might get out. So they erased me, my history. But they've been doing that for 500 years. <laughs> Pledge allegiance to that, my brother. They will never let a black man be Captain America. And even if they did, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and we're continuing on from our last episode. Got Kellen Conley back here in the chair, and we're ready to talk about episodes four through six of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Kel, how yes, you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm good. Good. Got a chance to see that both my wife and uh, daughter are going back to sleep. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. Mine's getting ready to go to bed. So I completely can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She, she wakes me up at like seven in the morning and then, you know, as soon as I'm up and I can't go back to sleep, then she goes down for a nap. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Kids. What are you going to do? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. uh, So we're talking about the last three episodes of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I still can't Um, believe this has only been, was only six episodes. I know. Yeah. The, the whole world is watching episode four, episode Mm -hmm. five is truth and episode six, one world, one people. Um, So where do you want to start with these episodes? I think think Uh, probably the first one is um, the, the big Wakanda reveal in episode four, what the big showdown with Dora Milaje and, um, and the guys yeah you mean the one that they lost <laughs> yeah yeah they're they they're the unequivocally uh, unequivocally lost that fight man like mm-hmm. the Dora Milaje do not play at all um and obviously they were after Zemo because of the events of Civil War because they killed King T'Chaka mm-hmm. um and they uh Dora Wakanda never forgets as we saw in Black Panther when they mm-hmm. were going after Claw um and Claw stole that uh um vibranium years ago but yet they're still like uh yeah we're we're coming for his ass yeah yeah that belongs to us so um no it it was very cool to see the Wakanda call back for Bucky and I had mentioned this in the last episode but having the fail safe in his arm mm-hmm. <laughs> when he literally were able to take his arm away from him I mean obviously he's still Bucky the Winter Soldier he can still hold his own but it's a little more difficult when you only have one arm and yeah, everybody just got their ass beat. <laughs> everybody lost in this one, man. It, one it, thing it, I loved about that is even Sebastian Stad looked surprised by the arm coming off. Like you just, oh like, yeah, because he had no was, clue. Yeah, that was such good him. acting on his part, though, because you know you, all that's done in post production, right? So for yes. them to, for like his reaction is so great in that moment. Um, and that's just such a, it's such a Wakanda thing to do to have this. Yeah. It's such a Black Panther. That's that's from the comics I'm talking about. Like Black Panther in the comics totally mm-hmm. has ways to like kill every single one of the superheroes. Yes. Yeah. He he is always prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Batman level prepared, but uh, oh, I'd say he's superhero, probably, I'd say he's more than Batman level prepared in some cases. <laughs> he he might be. Um, like if anybody has um case studies on how to beat everybody, like you said, it, it would definitely be T'Challa. Yeah. So I, I love that. I completely loved it. And yeah, I mean, they came and handled their business and then they're like, um, yeah, bring a Zemo or uh, 
we're going to come back and see you. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> it's also nice to see Io get some more development here and to have that connection established between uh, her and Bucky because mm-hmm. you don't really get the sense of how integrated Bucky was in Wakanda during that time. Cause yeah. we just got, cause we see him, you know, at the end of civil war, he gets put in the ice. And then we see him at the end of black Panther being, you know, uh, being woken, you know, appearing at the end there and then mm, getting the arm. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't really get a sense of like whether or not he was really integrated into, um, into Wakanda society, but based on the interactions he has with Io and the, and the stuff he says about his time in Wakanda, you get the sense that it was actually, you know, he actually spent a lot of time there and he was actually pretty, pretty integrated into their society. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would imagine that would be something that he wanted, especially once the brainwashing was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously he's, he's never truly had a home for years um, because he's always been a pawn as the winter soldier. Right. So having a place to call home and then, be in a place that's so built upon family as Wakanda. Um, naturally, I, I could see, um, <laughs> even though he, um, they, they, um, they thought that he had killed King T'Chaka initially in Civil War, e- even with all of that bad blood that was there, to, to see how Wakanda and the Black Panther were able to for, forgive all of that and really, one, help him escape mm-hmm. the brainwashing. And then two, let's, how much time do we know really passed between civil war and and obviously it was um it was like a week in between the assassination attempt mm-hmm. uh, on the black panther so so honestly dang like l- let's say black panther takes place over like two like a month or so month mm-hmm. and a half like they they kind of got him unbrainwashed pretty quickly and then C- civil war probably happens a few months later so he was there for a decent amount of time he wasn't there for like any five years or anything like that but well, actually i think you probably what because the mcu movies they tend to move in real time for the most mm-hmm. part so yeah um black panther came out what 2017 i think yeah mm-hmm. and then and then infinity war came out in 2019 so that's a good two years he's spending there at least yeah well i mean yeah so and i i just can't see them again especially with t'challa's message at the end of black panther mm-hmm. about wanting to kind of open up the wakanda to the world and you know kind of let it be known that who wakanda is really instead of hiding all these years um i, I really can't see them even if he is a colonizer <laughs> see them <laughs> treating treating him any differently because especially and as black people around the world can attest to because we've been treated differently um throughout history i can't see them treating him any different fictional character or not wakanda is like supposedly this technological perfect society country and in that fashion it would only be right that they would just welcome him with open arms once they knew he was okay i mean uh possibly but i think also there's another aspect because of the fact that they've been isolationists for so long they haven't really mm-hmm. had any of that because i think you kind of see that with um uh daniel kaluuya's character in black panther when he talks about when he's like against bringing refugees into wakanda oh yeah, yeah. so i think there, there's that as there's there's definitely a xenophobic element to to wakanda um and, it ain't perfect it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be perfect. i think that's a mm-hmm it's a really interesting real world parallel because, you know, the type of society you're in is really going to dictate, you know, the way you're treated. Like, you know, in America, I'm a white guy in America. I'm, you know, top of the pyramid, but, you know, I come to Japan and, you know, we're, <laughs> it's like, you're, you're, you're token minority status here. It's like, you're the, 
you're you're like the you're like the model minority here. It's like, oh, look, you right. look so cute trying to speak Japanese. <laughs> but you know, Good we're job, not, but we're not going to give you, a, but we're not going to give you a loan or anything like that. So, so oh, you get the, you get a lot of those issues here, and it it's not the it's not a one to one comparison, obviously, but it's yeah, interest it it definitely it has a similar eyes a aspect. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely opened no. my eyes to a lot of that stuff since moving I, here. I could see that it uh, move my my best friend actually moved to New Zealand in late 2019, and he's he's still adapting to how different things are there. It's mm-hmm. just a constant, constant thing to, I mean, he, he's Indian, but he's still, he's white. So he's like, he's um, biracial. So mm-hmm. here, like you said, he was white and got looked at one way. And there he is literally a colonizer who came mm-hmm. over from America and he, he lives um, in Wellington and they don't treat him rudely, but at the same time, he's looked at differently. Yeah. Plus, his wife's Asian on top of that. So I'm sure he, he catches a lot of stray looks that he doesn't deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I I love how uh, just the whole thing with the Dormalot. I was not expecting to get this much development of Bucky's time in Wakanda here. I thought that was... No. Um, I, I, like you said, I didn't expect them to, re, to revisit that either. But now we kind of can talk about Bucky's development, like we did mm-hmm. Sam's development, where, again, he was always just, he, Bucky was the Winter Soldier bad guy. Oh, I'm not a bad guy. I'm going to save Cap, but I am a bad guy and stuff. And then it's like, oh, I'm better. Oh, I lost my arm. I'm whipped out. So it was constantly something was happening to Bucky. Mm-hmm. Bucky was never around for any of those character building moments because even though he had a whole movie named after him, he was a side character. Yeah. He was always he was always in the background of cap. So getting to see um, that he did have familiar, um, familiar relations with Dora Milaje was really cool. And then also to, to see how much respect and admiration he had for him too. Cause he, he's, he told Sam straight up. He's like, yo, we're done. Like we shouldn't mess around. They're here. Like, let, let's just do what they want. Mm. And, and Sam's like, no way. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, come on, Sam, <laughs> you, you, you know, T'Challa. Like, <laughs> I don't think you want to go down this route. So, and um, it really, I thought one of the things it did really well too was it. It really kind of illustrated how um, how really lost Bucky is now because you mm-hmm. know, and I think that's something we kind of take for granted when we see him first in the therapist's office, right? And we see him talking about, and you see he's got, and you see he's trying to build a life here, but you get the sense that there's there's something missing there. And then you realize yeah. when you, when you see him interacting with IO and when she forbids him from co- returning to Wakanda, mm-hmm. there's, it, it really kind of clicked for me when I'm just like, Oh my God, this guy really has no place left. Like no place you know, to go. Cause when he got out of the, when he's deprogrammed and everything, he's still got Steve at least. Yeah. But now Steve's gone. And so yeah. now he's got, like he says it in Bucky to no, no, he is Bucky as he says to Sam in that, in that episode, you know, that shield is the closest thing I have left to a family. And, right. and it's just like, it really puts that all into perspective, like how, like the, his, his visceral reaction to Sam giving up the shield yeah. and it puts that all into the new context. And you realize that, you know, he's got, you know, he doesn't have cap. He's not technically an Avenger. And even if he is, you know, the Avengers aren't really a thing right now. We don't really know no. what's on with them. Um, you know, Sam's like the closest thing he has to a friend and they kind of hate each other. <laughs> and, but he has like, he doesn't even have a, a home now because his only, yeah. the only home he's really known in the past, you know, 70 plus years has been Wakanda. 
Right. Right. And like, cause his old home, you know, Brooklyn, that's, you know, it's not, it's not the Brooklyn he grew it's up in. It's not the same Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that's a good point because I, I, yeah, I mean, she literally said, don't, don't come back to Wakanda. Mm. Um, and again, he knows that they don't play around. Like she, she ain't say that jokingly. Yeah. Like, so he can't just show up tomorrow. Like, Hey, here I am, you know? Um, so he, he truly in a Captain America sense is a, is a man without a country, a man mm. without a home, yeah. um, a nomad, if you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it's, um, it, it really is crazy that again, just like Sam is struggling to kind of stand on his own two feet as Sam Wilson, Bucky is doing the same and struggling to find his own way in the world because there's no big fights to fight. I mean, obviously they're in the middle of a, something that they're trying to handle, but it's not like a Thanos level threat. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's just not any of these major things. They're, they're literally just trying to get through their day to day prior to the events of the show. And neither one of them are, su- are being very successful right now. Um, so it shows how much that they truly need each other as much as they kind of hate the fact they need each other. Yeah. I, I loved um, Zemo's speech too about uh, about the super soldiers and about mm-hmm. that connection. Like, you know, you know, having a super soldier means that you're, you inherently think it's a supremacy ide- ideology. And I'm just like, yeah. and I put a whole new spin on, because it's no longer just revenge for Sokovia, right? It's, it's gone no. beyond that. It's like this whole worldview he has now. And, um, and I thought that was, that was a really, really cool thing to do. And one of the little things here is, you know, they tell him, it's like, well, Steve wasn't like that. And, mm-hmm. and Buck and Zemo doesn't push them back on it. Right. He says, you're right. Steve wasn't like that, but how many Steve Rogers do you know? And I thought that was an interesting yes. moment because it shows that Zemo's got some respect for Steve. And I thought that was really cool. That that's, that's the power of, of Steve Rogers, man, like mm-hmm. comic books, MCU. At the end of the day, you can put anybody with the shield, um, John Walker, Sam, Bucky, um, and Sam and Bucky and, and John Walker, Toms, tried to be the best Captain America they could be, but there was only one person chosen to be the be the first person experimented on with the suit. Well, that we know of <laughs> <laughs> um, with this the um super soldier serum. And it was Steve Rogers, and it wasn't because he was big, tough, strong guy in the mm-hmm. movies. It was the one who used his brain, and he actually, he he was all hurt. Like yeah. the man jumped on what he thought was a live grenade for a bunch of people who hated him in mm-hmm. in uh, the first Avenger. Man, like that, and that was that was the moment that sealed it. Like all of them soldiers that he was in camp with hated his guts. They're like, you're too small other than Bucky. And I think Bucky was, was Bucky he wasn't his... even in the camp. No, no. Yeah. He yeah. Was, Bucky was, was already was, going. Was, yeah. So the fact that scrawny Steve Rogers from Brooklyn was willing to risk his whole life to save everyone else and cover up a live grenade mm-hmm. and nobody else did. Everybody else is ducked and covered that, that, that is what made Steve Rogers captain america it wasn't the super soldier serum it was who steve rogers was at that um moment right when he- well i mean i love that and that's something that they keep going back to right is mm-hmm. something that what erskine talked about in the first in the first avenger is he says that you know the serum amplifies what's already there right yeah. so bad becomes worse and good becomes better and and like we saw of red skull right exactly yeah and and lamar es- echoes that too right he says that the super soldier serum it makes you more of what you already are Mm-hmm. And 
And, um, and unfortunately we didn't get a whole lot of exposure to John to see like how he is really, we get a little bit at the end of that, of that, of the episode four, when he kills the guy with cap shield. And by the way, like, yeah, I mean, how let's, let's talk about it, man. Yeah. I mean, how I remember watching that just being like, Holy shit, this is on Disney plus. Yeah. They, they spared no expense. Um, yeah. Like obviously by this time, John took the serum mm-hmm. that because there was a couple of vials that was uh, floating around there. Um, and he, he ended up taking it and the, you can see the immediate difference because he's mm-hmm. tossing everybody around Bucky, Sam. And I mean, Bucky, so Bucky supposedly does Bucky have super soldier serum. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. He's got, he's got, yeah, he's got so some variant of it. Yeah. He, he's got a variant of it. And then of course he has the winter soldier training. Um, so, and military training. So, but he's throwing Bucky around like a rag doll and immediately like it triggered the worst emotions in John and um yeah mm. John and like he he just went off man and like you you could the cinematography was perfect you just see the blind rage mm. and that shield just coming down it's like yo yo is he gonna stop and we we knew he wasn't gonna stop but for a yeah. casual viewer they're probably like oh he's gonna stop he's gonna stop and then it just kept going it was just it was easily one of the most brutal scenes in MCU mm-hmm. uh, mo- movies or TV. And it was, it was done in a way to obviously show this guy shouldn't be Captain America, which is the gist they were going for. But it also showed again, just how dangerous a- again, great power comes with great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you don't accept the responsibility and in that moment, John did not. Bad things can happen. Um, and, and it just shows that, again, it's so hard. You can be Captain America and be called Captain America and go and look at Good Morning America as Captain America, but you're not Captain America, even right. with the super soldier form, formula. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, like that, this might be, I really like the, um, the episode that introduced Isaiah Bradley. Um, but this episode is probably my my favorite of the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was heartbroken over the, over what happened to Lamar, man. Because mm-hmm. clearly it, it was it wasn't meant to go down like that. Um, but obviously, John seeing Red, that's his best friend. I mean, who's to say that Cap, if he had saw Bucky murdered in the same way, mm-hmm. wouldn't have been pushed to that same brink? Because again, they always there's always the old adage of with sewer villains, they always have one bad day. Mm. And that one bad day pushed them too far. Uh, this is John's one bad day. And this is this is where he ended up. Um, but who knows if Steve Rogers has one bad day, if he doesn't end up in a similar place where he's standing over a body um, with blood all over his shield. Well, we, I do know see, we like to think he doesn't, but you don't know. I think we do see it. I think, and that's kind of the contrast because we did see what happened. Because remember in First Avenger, he thought Bucky died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we do see that to an extent, and and I think that shows the contrast between Steve and John really well in a way. Without Steve didn't actually have anybody having to take there. take it out on immediately though. Yeah, that's it true. was the only thing. Like if Steve had a, a warm body to probably just beat the crap out of, we don't know what could happen. Steve, Steve obviously he saw him go over. Uh, the train blew up, so they had to get out of there anyway. So um we we don't and then he went back and kind of dealt with his feelings the best he could and he couldn't even get drunk by that mm-hmm. point <laughs> yeah yes so um it's all about circumstances man yeah but i think it does show that 
that different and just like that image of the shield covered in blood like that and it's just and that's horrific we've seen yeah it's it's that's a scene we've seen so many times in the comic books but yeah to see it in live action like that and in that context like it's and I think that did a really good job of illustrating why this guy cannot be Captain America. Yeah. Um, um, and- they use that a lot during the comic book Civil War, like when mm-hmm. Cap died um, with the blood-covered shield and everything. Right, so yeah. It was definitely imagery we were used to. And it's... But even still, even with being used to that, I was surprised by how how shocking it was to me. They and, went for it, man. Yeah, and, you know, all credit, too, to, to Wyatt Russell for, you know, really selling that rage. Like, he's, mm-hmm. you know... I mean, the guy was so good at being a jackass and being, you know, um, in this mo- in this show that, you know, motherfuckers were giving him death threats. Of course, because that, that's what we do when we think that you're a bad person in a TV show. Obviously, you're a bad person in real life, wow. like, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But OK, like I'm still I'm sure there's still actors out there who get uh unfriendly emails about a portrayal that they were in a movie because people just can't separate life from from fiction. Well, did you ever see uh, How I Met Your Mother? Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. Uh, William Zabka's appearances? In the he talks about how, like, you know, everyone just, like, throwing popcorn at him everywhere he Yes. Went. And, like, even his mom, when she calls him, she's like, boo! <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like to think of that as a spiritual, uh, um, as the reason that we have Cobra Kai. I, I was thinking that, the same thing, yeah. Yeah, I was like, this would never happen if Barney didn't um, take Johnny's side in the first place. And somebody's <laughs> like, maybe we should tell Johnny's side of it. And it's way more compelling than anyone thought it would be. So, but and then there's the um, the dishonorable or the other than honorable discharge scene when he gets chewed out by the senator and all that. And mm-hmm. I think one of the best parts of that is when you know John says to them, "You built me, right? Yeah. I'm exactly what you made me to be, and now you're punishing me because I'm doing what you made me to do." Right out of the comic books. Yeah, not only right out of the comic books, but you know, so realistic because that's what the U.S. government has done, right? It's like you, yeah, you, you know, we, you know, we build these people up to, and then you know, when you have things like you know the Milai massacre in Vietnam, or mm-hmm. you know, or Abu Ghraib, and we're like, oh, we're horrified. We this should never have happened. We don't know how this happens. Like, well, you, you fucking dehumanize. You put us in this. You, you put them in the position. You, yeah. you, you dehumanize the enemy. What do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, we we didn't think all oh, that would happen, but but again, it, it's that what was that um that quote that you said earlier about the the dick swinging? <laughs> oh yeah, adolescent exercise and dick waving. Yeah, yeah, it, that's exactly what um the the U.S. tends to do. They're like mm-hmm. they're always uh dick waving, and then when a dick gets waved too far, they're like, oh oh well, we didn't, we didn't want we that. Didn't to... We didn't mean to wave it that far. God, like <laughs> we you think we're monsters, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You guys are the bad guys. Um, something I wanted to ask you about um, that, that bothered me on the show, Perry. Um, did, Sam, did Sam's empathy for Carly seem... I, like, I, I know he, him, I know it was important for him to sympathize with her mm-hmm. cause, obviously, and the Flag Smashers as a whole. But I really felt like at no point, even in the season finale... <laughs> I was like, yo, he he doesn't have what it takes to take her down. Though. He, mm-hmm. Like he he can't bring himself to do it. Did that bother you at all? Because I saw it. It didn't really bother me too much. Um, but it was more along the lines of at some point you got to draw a line. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you've went so far. I got to stop you. And I never felt like Sam got to that point. And there was a lot of venom for 
<laughs> um, Venom for Sam on the internet just about how he was treating Carly as well. And even Bucky mentioned it to him a little bit in the show. It was like, hey, you, you know that she's the re- we got to stop her and everything. And, mm-hmm. and Sam's like, yeah, but I got to I got to talk to her. I got to reach her. Did you think they kind of went a little too far with Sam constantly trying to kind of change her mind and and kind of and kind of make her realize that what she's doing is wrong? Or did you feel like it was the right amount? No, I think I think you're definitely right. I think they did push that too much. And this could be another example of it being a victim to the changes in the scripts mm-hmm. due to COVID-19 and everything in the pandemic. Yeah. And I think that might've been a factor in it, but it definitely felt like at some point, like you said, you got to draw a line because I think even at, you know, you get to a point- his sister? Real, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> when, when she's threatening your sister and your nephews, I mean, that's- yeah kind of got to be a line in the sand you draw there. I mean, at that point, I, I think Sam should have been like, all right, you know, I, I, you have, you have a point, but I got to bust your ass at some point now. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they definitely pushed that too far. Um, so yeah. That, that was the one thing about Sam's portrayal. I was just like, come on, man. Like, like the words, the part where you're like, all right, I'm ready to go kick butt. And it, it like, we got the part where he's like, I'm ready to go be cap. And it was like, he's like, I am a black man as Captain America. And I hope you can respect me, which his speech was way better than that. <laughs> but um, th- those are important. But at the same time, it's like you need to be able to, you know, the line ends here and, and put that foot in the sand mm-hmm. and, and really push back against against the opposition. And and he didn't really get that moment to shine, um, especially against Carly a, a, as the main antagonist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I felt, I mean, Carly in general, I felt she was, she was handled kind of unevenly. And yeah. I think that she's, and, I, and again, that could be, you know, a victim of the writing um, and the changes, but, but mm-hmm. you know, I thought, you know, it starts off, she's got a good point, but then at, I think the show keeps trying to paint her as too sympathetic, even after the show has kind of made her out to be beyond the point of sympathy. Like, yeah, I mean, I think, for example, you you draw a comparison. If you draw a comparison, to some of the other characters that we've got sympathy for, like Zemo in Civil War, or mm-hmm. or Zemo in the show, even or um, Thanos in Infinity War, or or Killmonger in in Killmonger. Black Panther. Like there's mm-hmm. each time you you can understand their point, but the the movie still says like, okay, here's the line, and here's the point when they cross the line. Yeah. And once they cross that line, then you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, they got a point, but I still want to see you get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. The, sh- the show though, it, it, with Carly, it seems like it goes, you know what, here's the line here. She is, but the show's still trying to convince us that we're over here. It's like the show's not caught up to her actions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I- I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. Cause I, I wasn't like crazy. Like, Oh my God, Sam, like, I-, I can't believe you. But at the same time, I was like, I just wanted him to put his foot down and he never did. Yeah. He was like, he was the set that parents like, all right, you stop that down. All right, I mean it this last time. <laughs> One more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just kept doing it and doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was definite weakness, especially when you compare it to like how he treats um how he treats Zemo, how he treats, you know, John. I think there's a lot oh, yeah. more it's a lot he's a lot harsher. He's a lot more judge, judgmental of those actions, but less about Carly and I I thought that was a very that was a huge disconnect in the series. Yeah. And I don't know if it like maybe he kind of saw her as um especially because he has the nephew and everything like mm-hmm. maybe saw her as some because she was so young that 
um, there was still time to maybe kind of save her. Um, but it, it just didn't come across the way I yeah. think they wanted to. I think so too. Um, let's talk about Sharon Carter. Cause I mean, <laughs> this is, I thought it was so cool to get to finally see her have like, you know, a role with, with some weight to it because we yeah. see her in, you know, she gets that little bit in, you know, Winter Soldier, you know, she gets a little bit in Civil War, but. Steals you know, Cap's uh, speech. <laughs> yeah, Steals Cap's speech. Um, and then, and then they, and, you know, they were kind of, it seemed like they were kind of trying to lead up to something between them, like in the comics, but, you know, the Peggy fan base is too strong with the movies. And so they had to go back to Peggy in the, and then, yeah. Game. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they went back to Peggy. Oh, yeah, yeah. literally. <laughs> I, I I really don't want to think about that timeline beyond him getting to go back and have that dance. Um, mm-hmm. so th- let's just leave it over there. Um, <laughs> Sharon kicks a ton of ass though, mm-hmm. man. Like, um, obviously they, they find her in Madripoor, and like like she's she's already matched. Like I can't go back to my country. This is BS. Like I I can't like I helped Steve and and nobody's letting me in. Like I got no contacts. And like, she's, she's super mad. Mm. And I was like, I was like, yes. Like, I'm glad that we're seeing this kind of fallout from, again, from the Sokovia Accords, Mm. because obviously we know that, that uh, Tony and Cap weren't talking and, and they went their separate ways. And then Thanos showed up. Everybody had to kind of make up as the action was unfolding. But um, just, just like with the blip, um, there is an important time frame that we're missing with a lot of these characters. Like mm-hmm. Sam was on the run with Cap, obviously. Um, Bucky was in Wakanda, and, and we're seeing shades of that. So there's, it, it, whenever they do a uh, season two, there's still a whole lot, a whole bunch of stuff they can explore with those time er- those uh, time frames with Bucky and and Sam. But to really see Sharon, who was literally the odd man out, especially once all the superheroes showed up in Civil War, and she was like an afterthought after that. She she literally to say like I can't go home. Um, I'm a traitor, and um, I need your help. But then it was Sam that offered, "Hey, I can I can get you pardoned or something." Mm-hmm. Like my man can't even get a loan. How's he going to get a yeah? Pardon? I thought that was kind of like like wait, Sam, aren't you kind of overselling your your influence? Yeah, here? like like even like Rhodey's in the military still. Like maybe Rhodey could call in a favor or something, mm-hmm. but. He he was really selling it like he like he was already Captain America and he was on payroll or something. But he's yeah. like, yeah, we'll get your pardon. Just help us out. Mm-hmm. And and Sharon never bought into into this chick for a second. She was like, okay, yeah, I'll help. And but it was more out of a thing for more out of respect for Cap than it mm-hmm. was. I actually think you guys can help me, as we saw down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah uh i i really loved everything that sharon did in this series and i can't really say much like the end the end reveal that we're going to talk about here in a little bit um i didn't hate it i didn't like it i was just kind of like meh i saw mm-hmm. it coming but i really enjoyed her character development that we got in the episodes leading up to this finale well, let's go ahead and talk about it now, because I mean, let's talk about yeah. it now. Uh, so, like, my Boilers. thought was, I mean, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I, I think I had kind of the same thought as you. I'm like, yeah, kind of, kind of makes sense. I see how it coming. Yeah. Not sure I really like it. Second time though, I thought it made a lot more sense. I thought it, I thought it, it when I get when I divorce it from what we know from the comics, I thought it actually worked really well because it's that whole idea of, you know how far can a push person be pushed? Like you were saying that yeah. whole one bad day thing. And I think, I mean, it totally makes sense because, you know, 
I don't, they, they never mentioned it. I don't think she was, they ever mentioned if she was part of the blip or not. I think she was still, but yeah, I think, I think she was around. Them. Yeah. Cause the, everybody who got blipped are like, Oh, I wasn't here for five years. Like, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they make it a point to kind of mention it. Yeah. So like, you gotta, you gotta look at it from her perspective. Like she, she puts her ass on the line to help, mm-hmm. to help Steve and, and Sam. And then, you know, she gets, she loses her job. She becomes a traitor to her country. She's got to run away to Madripoor. And she's got to, you know, build a new life for herself on the black market, basically. And she yeah. does really well for herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, um, <laughs> I felt like uh, Shang-Chi's uh, sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. I feel like she took a Charlie. lot of her cues. From, yeah. Thank you. She took a lot of her cues from uh, Sharon Carter. Cause uh, yeah. I mean, when you get introduced to her, she's in charge of the, the fight ring and everything. And then, Obviously, we know what happens at the Stinger and the Shang-Chi. Mm. So uh, I definitely felt big Sharon Carter vibes from the way that she was uh, taking care of herself. Yeah. Um, and the way she was portrayed. And I thought it did make a whole lot of sense because the entire time when, you know, Sam's talking to her like, yeah, I can get you a part and you can go back home. And she's like, she's like, oh, you think you can, you can help me go back home? And I'm, as I was watching that the first time, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> they didn't Come, I mean, like well enough. They didn't well, I think hide that's it. The, I think that, I think that's the, they spelled it out how, way too I think that's easy. how it works. In a way, it kind of works, I think, because the first time I'm watching, I'm like, you know, she's got this, you know, she she's rich. She's got this really nice, you know, penthouse apartment with like- she has resources. Freaking art gallery. She's got all these resources and all that. I'm why like- Why does she need to go home? Yeah, why does she need to go home? I mean, like, you know, go to a place where you're not even going to have healthcare and you can't get a loan to the bank. So. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself when I'm like, why would she want to give all that up to go back to what she used to be doing? And then when they get to the end there and, you know, she does, she does that thing where she, she gets on the phone and she says, you know, no more super soldiers, but I've got access to a lot more stuff. It totally makes sense because, you know, she got sold out by her country mm-hmm. um, after the blip, you know, Steve was back in New York. Steve went back to the vendor's compound. He wasn't on the run anymore. And he wasn't he trying never to find came her. Back for her. That, that's a great point. That's a, that's a whole nother a thing that can be, um, can they can do with her in the next yeah. season too. Well, I don't think they're doing another season because they said they're going to do a uh, Captain America four. Oh, okay. Well, that, that would make sense. But yeah, but I, I would love to see like, I mean, you know what I want to see? Like my dream MCU project would be like an animated series or something or a comic series or whatever set between two eras. One, the time between Civil War and Infinity War. And another one is in the time between Infinity War and Endgame. I think those are two yeah. vastly unexplored areas with a whole lot of time. A lot of stuff can happen in there, especially in the case of, you know, the five-year gap in, in Endgame. Yeah. And just like, you know, and there's so much story potential. Like, you know, yeah. we know that the Avengers are obviously still active because we see them, you know, Black Widow's calling the plays and everything from the compound and everything. So we know they're mm-hmm. still doing stuff. So, you know, and that's that's such a rich area for exploration. I would love to see what other stuff had happened in that time. Yeah, and we know from what if that they're fully capable of doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. and j- just give me 10 episodes and set it in different eras and just tell the story. And the voice actors obviously will come mm-hmm. back. They came back for what if. I mean... Chadwick Boseman's last times as T'Challa was um, doing What If. Yeah. And he was like in two episodes, which is crazy. So it'd be a very easy thing to do. And th- there's a, a vast array of stories that need to be told that can be built upon or just stand alone on their own. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a wealth of, 
of unexplored territory. Yeah. I so love that I, idea. yeah. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense for her to become the power broker because, and mm-hmm. then to, to still, you know, commit to being, you know, betraying her country because, you know, her country kind of betrayed her first. So you uh, know, yeah. this is kind of like her getting, getting back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, um, like I said, I wish they weren't so obvious when they first mm-hmm. they first brought it on because they were talking about the power broker, power broker, power broker. She's like, oh, I'm power broker. I'm like, like, come on, Sherry. <laughs> like, we, we know, we know. And I'm glad that they didn't go for the reveal immediately because then we know there's a that they're traveling with the power broker. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I I, I kind of wish I was just more surprised at when it happened, but like you said in the grand scheme of everything, especially with what happened to Sharon Carter in between those two time periods, why not be the power broker? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it makes it, it, I didn't like it at first, but on the repeat view, it definitely makes a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. Cause I think yeah. it, it opens up a lot of interesting story potential. Um, and it gives Sharon something to do because, you know, obviously she can't be Cap's girlfriend now, so they got to find something else for her to do. And I think, and I like that they're just not dropping her that they're, yeah. they're finding something for her to do. Yeah, which is which uh, I'm I agree because I mean who who thought we'd ever see her again after civil war. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um and Emily Van Camp like she she definitely deserves more more time in this than what she mm-hmm. than what she's gotten so far. Um and also got to talk about um one of my favorite appearances in this show was Julia Louis-Dreyfus popping up as, as the Contessa. I just like Oh man. Talk about a uh, talk about a, a sort of real surprise, man. Mm-hmm. That 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 was absolutely amazing, and like obviously she's going to go on to be a, a part of the MCU. She's already been in Black Widow, mm-hmm. um, so they're going to continue to to go back to that well. Like I don't know if she'll ever have to be like full blown uh, red carpet. I'm in this movie, like mm-hmm. especially in the Contessa role. But her role again, just like the Power Broker, there's so many possibilities they can build yeah. upon so much they can do with her well and she's just she's just got like such the perfect entrance mm-hmm. in this show like just the way she appears the way she starts talking the way she hands him the business card that has nothing written on it <laughs> oh man yeah and everybody thinks she's a hot mess is a, mm-hmm. is a crazy part when you first meet her but she, she's pretty connected yeah and we're, we're obviously each appearance we're learning more and more about what what she has going on so um yeah I, I love the casting choice i've always loved julia julia louis um from especially from the seinfeld days obviously mm. and her work on um vp yeah so um yeah i look forward to seeing, seeing more from her man um I'm, I'm glad to see not that the mcu's ever had a, a star power problem but it's nice to see those really established actors that we know really well mm-hmm. coming in MC, MCU, MCU and get in the sandbox and and having fun with their characters. Well, I mean, I think after after Robert Redford appeared as a villain, like after that, you know, all bets are off. It's just like, you know, if they can get That's Robert true. Redford and it's like, there's like nobody they can't get now. That that, w- that was a pretty big get at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I forget um how, how big of a deal because I've seen Winter Soldier, like I can close my eyes and watch it. Yeah. So it's no big deal to see him now. But in that moment, I knew he was already cast in the movie. But but to see him and then eventually for him to be the bad guy, I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, you know what? Uh, I thought the the last episode I felt was really kind of the weakest of the bunch. Yeah. I mean, it, it felt like most affected by COVID had to be. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, it felt like there was there was too much story left and they they just kind of like had to wrap it up kind of quickly. 
Mm-hmm. And I felt that a yeah. lot of stuff kind of got thrown under the bus because of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, let, let's just talk about real quick that uh, the power broker killed Batrock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just as much as we are happy to see him, he was gone again. Yeah, I was um, disappointed by that. I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Batrock's back. We're going to see more Batrock. And he's dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and never mind. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the super powered uh, flag smashers, they all got easily disposed of mm-hmm. um by uh zemo's butler who um which is which is a nice callback because um we got to introduce to him after he broke out of prison we didn't even talk about the good fact that they broke him out of prison yeah <laughs> well <laughs> that, like, that was such a great scene when when bucky's going over the the potential plan to break zemo out of prison yes and then you find out he's he's just recounting what he's already done yeah yeah it's, it's all done it seems uh-huh. like um pretty much you know um yeah that that was a great scene uh i i rewatched that when i first watched it i actually went back and watched it again because Mm -hmm. i i was i was definitely uh pumped for how all that worked out i love a good prison blick Mm -hmm. i'm a sucker for one of those um but yeah we got introduced to the butler in that episode um and when he's like i'm a baron and then he's the one that actually takes out the super soldiers and then of course um sam who had been training with the shield after he took it off of um john after mm. john killed um killed the flag smasher um r.i.p man that was a brutal way to go well something <laughs> else too about that flag sp- is that was the guy who also said that you know when i was a kid captain america was my favorite superhero yes that made that, it even more cringe yeah, wasn't yeah, it yeah 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 cap was my favorite and then the, for his last moments to be that damn shield just crushing mm. to death oh yeah man Great, great storytelling, Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Um, the butler, though, I also, this is going back to what we talked about last episode, but I do love that that part when they're on Zemo's plane and Zemo's talking to the butler in Sokovian or whatever, and he says, you know, see if there's any expired, any meat back there. If it's past the expiration date, give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's, all, he's always trying to find a way to do him, do him dirty on the side, like without completely betraying them. Yeah. Because for the most part, Zemo held up his end of the bargain. Like, mm-hmm. Um, even even like up to the Dormilaje taking him, like he he didn't like we all was expecting him to turn on him at some point, mm-hmm. um, and he, he just he never did. And obviously, we're we're probably hoping this leads into Thunderbolts bolts at some mm-hmm. point. But it, it was very cool to see him honor the contract he made and not just do the supervillain thing and be like, ha ha, I got you. Why you're stupid? You're too stupid to trust me. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I did I did appreciate that about his character as well. Yeah, it, it harkens back to something Bucky said earlier, right? He's, when he said, you know, Zemo's got a code, and mm. and I like that they 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 stuck with that. They maintained that that yeah, Zemo's you know he made a deal, he's going to honor the deal, and I thought that was really really good work on Marvel for doing that instead yeah. of going the the obvious route of just having Zemo betray them. Um, and which has been done to death. Yeah, obviously. yeah. What do you think about? Isaiah's speech to um to Sam when he says that you know they'll never let a black man be Captain America and no self-respecting black man would ever be Captain America anyway that's some real shit Perry <laughs> that's a, that's a I mean it, it hit home man because uh, again this is fresh off the events of uh the summer 2020 mm-hmm. and the Black Lives Matter movement and and the riots and everything so it, it was still fairly fresh in my mind and America's mind and with those events in mind, 
for Isaiah to, to say that to Sam, especially after Sam's like, I got the shield and I'm training. And Sam's like, I think I'm going to do it. Like this, the next move. And then, and Isaiah's like, look, Negro, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can train all you want. You can wear whatever suit they want you to, but you're never going to be black, black America. You're never going to be captain America, <laughs> black, black in America, uh, captain America to them. And you, you, and no, self-respecting black men should be Captain America. That that kind of taps into the whole Kaepernick argument of it all, mm -hmm. because obviously the ca reason Kaepernick started taking a knee was to protest the way that um, police brutality against black people in America. And obviously it turned into a big thing. He lost his job. He's not in the NFL. And now he makes Netflix money. So who, did it really work out? I'm sure it did. <laughs> but um, that that was just something when he started those protests and myself or other people really took a look at it and got beyond the it's disrespectful to the flag and just really looked at it as damn he, he's kind of right like him as an athlete all these athletes around the world all these black people in the country who who go to work every day for these corporate places and and supposedly uh they're part of american infrastructure mm -hmm. and they're they're representing this flag or they stand for national anthem and and supposed to be honoring the the soldiers who died for him, which I 100% agree with. Like, obviously, I respect any soldier who went to war for America and for me or your rights mm -hmm. um, as Americans or as um, expatriates, as you are. Um, <laughs> but I, I completely get that. But when you break it down to the basics of does my country love me because of the color of my skin, and the answer is no, then yeah, it's really hard to get behind the flag mm -hmm. and then to be wearing the symbol of America and literally be the same guy who was selling war bonds prior to going to break Bucky out of um, the um, Hydra camp mm -hmm. to be that guy on top of that guy, previous guy being so beloved and so air quotes, perfect. It, it's an impossible task mm -hmm. because America won't ever respect you. They might be like, oh, there goes Captain America. But like, like on the street, like they, they see, they see uh, Sam. They're like, hey, hey, Cap, how are you? And Sam's like, oh, good. You know, just having a conversation. And then they, they go home. They sit down at their dinner table and they say to their wife, guess who I saw? I saw the black Captain America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's he always that asterisk. Right. He's not, he's not Cap. He's, he's black Captain America. Mm -hmm. So I definitely see Isaiah's point. Obviously, the show would have been a little anticlimactic if Sam was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Let me go out here as Falcon. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it would defeat the purpose of putting him in the role of, of Cap, but uh, it, it hit close to home, way mm -hmm. too close to home pair. Yeah, and I thought that was, um, uh, I thought Sam's counter argument to that, where, you know, he's he acknowledges, and this is kind of touching a lot of what you're saying, where he, like, he acknowledges everything Isaiah is saying is true. But at the same time, he says, look, you know, we built this country and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and I'm not just going to sit down and and, you know, let them dictate it. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I help, you know, my ancestors help build this country. You know, I know what people have gone through. I'm from the I thought that was too an interesting change that they made Sam come from the south in the MCU, whereas mm -hmm. in the in the comics, he's from Harlem. I, I thought that was a really interesting change they made. And that really kind of kind of ties into a lot of this stuff, too, because you know, 
my impression is that, uh, obviously because I'm not a black man in New York and I'm, or I'm not a black man in, in, in the South, but, but my impression is not is, black. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> could not be whiter <laughs> if I tried, <laughs> but I'd imagine like, it's a very different kind of upbringing where if you grow up in, in Harlem, in New York versus if you grow up in, in the South. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's two different worlds. Mm. And <clears throat> myself, I, I was born in Virginia. I've, was raised in West Virginia. So I had a very different black experience because I, even though I was surrounded by white people, I actually um, had, a, had a pretty good uh, childhood where I, I didn't have to deal with a lot of racism, mm-hmm. um, even though I was literally one of only a few black kids in my, my county and in my area for years and years. So it, it definitely changes things to know that Sam is from the South and he knows all the history that ha- that has come before him and all the awful things that have happened. And he's reminded of it every single day living in the South, because I'm sure it's not hard for him to look up and see a Confederate flag mm-hmm. um, compared to somebody who might be like Harlem Sam. Because if I remember Harlem Sam, when he was first introduced, he was it was like 70s. And so he was like, he's like, hey, man, Cap, you're a job turkey, man, <laughs> man, this is this, this is uh man, this is funky fresh cat, blah, blah, blah. What you going to do for, for, for the homies around the way? Except he didn't say homies, the brothers around the way cap and caps just like, uh, <laughs> you know, cause, cause it, it was, a um, I don't, I forget who introduced. I think it was, I think it was Englehart. Okay. Englehart. So you got Englehart introducing this black character and trying to make him sound hip at the same time to the, the slang of the time. So it, it reads very awkward in mm-hmm. 2022. Um, but even if he was a, a guy from Harlem, like his experiences in Harlem wouldn't necessarily speak to the experiences that he, he would have as someone from the South because he'd be from New York and I'm sure he would run into some, some bad cops and stuff. But New York is still from the North. And while racism is obviously still prevalent everywhere, it, it just is, it hits different up North than mm-hmm. it does in the South. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And for, and Isaiah is from Baltimore, for example. So that again, Baltimore is one of those. Um, it, Baltimore was in the north, right? That's above the Mason-Dixon. Yeah. So again, that that is um, they're from a free um, area, a free state at the time of the civil, the original civil war, not the comic book civil war. Mm-hmm. So people from Baltimore who were raised that way, they have different experiences and they feel a certain kind of way. So. For Isaiah, obviously Isaiah is speaking to the horrors that he went through from the um, super soldier program and the way he was treated. And then obviously he just sees how he, how he takes his experiences and he just sees how black people were treated in the country altogether. So yeah, he never had the chance to be responsible for his power. Mm-hmm. Sam does have that opportunity. And again, it comes back to the, to the great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, Sam could be like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm crazy for thinking this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I can. But Sam's like, no, I was given this shield by my best friend. And he didn't look at me and say, hey, black guy, take this shield and see what happens. To you. <laughs> he was like, you're my best friend. You've been there for me for years. I love you and respect you. And I want to give you this shield because I feel like you will stand up for what the, the beliefs behind this shield. Mm-hmm. And, and so he gave it to him. And obviously he thought he wasn't ready, but now at this point he feels like he's 
ready to take on whatever may come at him, whether it be Batroc or racism in that costume mm-hmm. and as identity of Captain, Captain America. Yeah. So it, it's just all about perspective, man. And who's to say Isaiah wouldn't have done the same if, if the roles were reversed. Yeah. Um, and that's, that whole conversation is echoed very, very well in that, in that training scene with, with mm-hmm. Bucky when they're throwing the shield around and Bucky says to him, you know, like, you know, when Steve told me his plan, I don't think either of us realized what it means for a black man to hold this shield. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I thought that was such a powerful moment of realization because he's been busting Sam's ass this entire time about the shield. And, yeah. and that line, you know, you know, Sam says, you know, the legacy of that shield is complicated. And like, when I saw that in the trailer, I'm like, oh, they're going to talk about the truth. They're going to do, they're going to go, I, I, I saw that coming, but seeing it in context, it really makes it, after hearing Isaiah's speech, it makes it so much more poignant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and who, who knows how much, um, Steve and Bucky deliberated over it. It was, might've been like, just, uh, Hey man, like, I got to take these stones back tomorrow. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go f- find Peggy when I take back this last mm-hmm. one and I'm gonna stay with her. He's like, damn cat, that's deep. What are you gonna do with the shield? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I was, I think I'm gonna give it to Sam, man. Like, I, I, th- I feel like, um, I don't know what conversation, like, I don't want to put it on you. Blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of responsibility. I really feel like Sam could, could, could be the next Captain Mar- America. And if I want to p- handpick my successor, I want to be Sam. And like, all right, cool, Cap. And that was probably it. Like, it was, it was probably like a, a footnote. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even think Bucky would have fought Steve on that, especially, but it's because of the, the relationship they had and the respect they have for, another, for one another. Like, after Steve became Cap, you, they were always like friends and, you know, the camaraderie was there. Mm-hmm. But you don't see Bucky busting Cap's chops like that. Like, he, he'll, he'll try. At the same time, it's kind of hard because he's freaking Adonis. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like, especially after he saved his life and got him out of um, the camp um, away from Hydra, like it was kind of like, whatever you say goes, Steve, like I'll, I'll follow you anywhere, mm-hmm. even if it leads to my death, which we thought it did. So I don't even think he questioned it for a second. And then to see Sam's journey throughout the series and then especially with him giving it up. And he's like, dude, like he, he picked you. And like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be the one. He was like Morpheus. <laughs> he's like, you're the one. Like, what are you, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You're not the one. Um, resurrections aside. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah. And then obviously like, I'm sure Sam talked to him about Isaiah. I know he mentioned him like in passing conversations, but um, just even off camera, like I'm sure Sam said, yo, I went to go see, uh, see Isaiah who um, Bucky would know about. And Isaiah told me all this stuff that happened to him when mm-hmm. he was in so and that the country did to him and everything. And then Bucky's like, oh yeah, we we didn't really think about all that. We just mm-hmm. thought you were cool. <laughs> <laughs> we just thought you were a good pick, man. Like, uh, sorry we didn't think about everything else that goes with it, but we mm-hmm. are two white guys from Brooklyn. Those yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and two, something else too, I that keeps think that I keep thinking about too is the fact that the uh, I think a lot of people overlook is that that's not the same shield because that shield got busted up by Thanos. Right. That's and, the one Tony gave him. Um, oh wait, no, you're right. That's a different shield. Because because about the when last he, one Tony gave him. Because I think when um, when everybody like a lot of people, their misconception of Endgame is that he goes back into the past and he lives with Peggy in the main timeline and just never does anything and never interacts with the world. But I think what actually happened is he he goes in a 
creates another timeline. There's this whole other timeline. And talking mm-hmm. about, you know, dream projects, the MCU, like I want to see that timeline where Cap and Peggy are starting yes. shield together. And and then when he and he's got a shield One there. More and film. Then, One look, more film. Because <laughs> you look at that shield and the design is slightly different. You're right. You're right. I, and I've thought about that before too, but it, it's just so easily easy to gloss over the fact that Thanos literally like beat mm. that thing to bits and Steve's arm was literally dangling yeah. <laughs> when, when he's like, Avengers assemble. And like we had that when the movie theaters across the country exploded and uh, cheering and everything. Uh, definitely not the same shield. Where did that shield come from is a great question. Um, and I don't, I don't want some Feige answer. I want to see it. Like, show mm-hmm. me how Cap got Bucky or Sam's shield. Yeah, show yeah. me. Yeah, and um, and then the the last episode. I one of the things I think was talking about things that were kind of rushed through. I think one of the things that really got kind of rushed through was um, John's kind of like redemption in a way, right? Because it's like he's you know he kills this guy with the fucking shield. He gets discharged and. And yeah. Sam and Bucky are like, and then he pops up at the end and, and you know, hey guys. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, he's he's patting Bucky on the back and Bucky's, you know, joking with him about using the Lincoln quote. And I'm like, I'm like, come yeah. on, man. Like you were just talking, you just spent like, you know, five episodes talking about how this guy's such an asshole and, you know, he doesn't deserve the shield. And yeah. now he helps you out one time and you're best friends. Like you didn't even give Sam the much that much benefit of the doubt. <laughs> It's like, hey, you look like my buddy Cap. <laughs> uh, he is pretty old. Let's let's mm-hmm. let, maybe he thought for a second he was Steve. Um, <laughs> I know with that face, how could you get him confused? I didn't love that either. Um, I know they want they wanted to kind of sit the redemption arc. They wanted to get him on that path, especially going forward into the next project mm-hmm. they're going to use him on and get him into the U.S. agent uniform that the Contessa gives them, but. <laughs> And I, and I thought for a second, I did think for a second, I was like, all right, they're going to go to route of him redeeming himself and he's going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Like I thought for like, cause they, they kind of hinted towards, towards that being like, I think if one point there was where his life was on the line and then he managed to survive it or something, I forget. Um, but I think they decided not to do that. And then of course they, they wanted to set up the U S agent. So it, it was cool to kind of see, him be redeemed but at the same time it's like dude you should be facing some serious consequences you mm-hmm. should be walking these streets so easily military or not like i mean at that, the very least i mean i'd expect like after they they finish busting up the flag smashers like bucky like you know you know punches him in the face or something yeah hit him like hit him like hawk did thor man mm-hmm. it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i thought that was that was kind of a missed opportunity um yeah I mean, I do like that we're, that they gave him the U.S. agent costume in this in this episode, though. I yeah. thought that was that was a nice little touch at the end. Very cool, very cool. Because I've always loved that costume. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since uh, Steve Rogers was the captain, and he wore yeah, that, yeah. that costume. So um, I'm I'm glad that they did. They and the MCU does such a good time with, a job with making the costumes tr- true to their originals. So I was really glad to see that they got they nailed that costume completely. So speaking of costumes, what do you think of how they adapted um, uh, Sam's costume, Captain America costume? Um, I never loved Sam's comic iteration of it. I know that he was still, I mean, it was still kind of based on the Falcon uniform just with Cap's colors and stuff mm-hmm. and then putting the star on it. Um, I like his MCU uniform though. I, I think 
especially because one is it's Wakandan too. So mm-hmm. shout out to Wakanda. <laughs> but um, I, I actually really do like his costume. I feel like there's room for them to um, do different variations on it, which obviously they're, they're going to do for toy purposes because mm-hmm. that, that's what they do with all the, the costumes. But I, I really thought it came across well on the screen. And that first time when he came to that window and he stood up that shield, man, I, I, I just couldn't help him, man. I got chills. I was like, I was like yeah, Sam's mm. Captain America, man. So, so it worked for me on all, on all facets. I thought it was, um, I thought I liked the design of it. I did feel mm-hmm. like it, 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 it felt like it was, it didn't quite fit Anthony Mackie, right? Like, I think they yeah. need to do some alterations to it. Um, Cause like in some, of those, in some of those wide poses, it looks a little bit like puffy in some parts. Um, <laughs> And, and so I think you know they gotta they're gonna have to redo that when they get ready for the fourth movie. Yeah, but, I'm but sure other than that, uh, I love I like the design. One of the things I because I'm rereading the um, the Nick Spencer uh, Sam Wilson Captain America series now, mm-hmm. and one of the things I noticed is I was you know after I watched this last episode right before I you know jumped back into the series is that in the comics his wings are just you know still the red wings that they are they were when it was falcon here they yeah. give it the red white and blue color scheme which i thought yeah. was a really nice touch i thought i thought that was very cool too i thought i thought it came off a little better um especially with him really embracing the personification of cap and and being the face of america mm-hmm. even if america doesn't want him i i really like the fact that they went all in like that to to showcase um that he that he's really really doing this mm-hmm. Well, also, I like, too, that they gave him a more comics-accurate costume as the Falcon, too, because up until now, he's just been wearing, like, the the black military thing, which has some red stripes on it. But now they just put him in the the white and red suit. I really like that look, too. Yeah, that that, that just looked great, I thought. Um, like, any any time that he really got to to put it, to put the wings out mm-hmm. and uh and really uh kind of showcase the whole costume, he he really just looked badass in it, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. And um, and same thing with what the the little change they made to to Bucky, how they kind of blended the Winter Soldier look with the Bucky costume from mm-hmm. First Avenger. Yeah, and that, that was a, ni- a nice subtle nod as well, because because Bucky Bucky don't need no stinking costume, but mm-hmm. if you're if you're going to give him some kind of uniform, then I think that's the way to go. Yeah, well, I, I did love what you said back, you know, earlier. You said like he's you know, I it'd be because I know they're they're going the White Wolf route. But I think mm-hmm. making him nomad would be a much cooler nod to the comics. Yeah, man, that that, that you hear that MCU? We're writing your movies for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Send all checks to um, superhero cinephiles, please. <laughs> please, yeah. Um, and uh, and also we get uh, another possible hero introduced here at the end because we get uh, uh, Joaquin Torres, who became the second Falcon in the comics. He mm-hmm. gets the flight suit at the end of the of the fifth episode. Yeah, and and that was a nice callback to the very first mission that Falcon went on mm-hmm. in the whole series, and we get introduced to to um, Joaquin and and we didn't know that we were, we would see him again, you know. And then um, I, I again feel in the MCU obviously realizes it. It's important for them to continue to build that legacy and Claremont it as we were talking about, mm-hmm. where they leave things laying around where it's like, okay, well. Uh, we need a character for this. Oh yeah, well we do have that Falcon running around now mm-hmm. that we can just pull from somewhere. So um, I'm glad to see that Sam is leaving his own legacy as well, and not and they're not completely abandoning the identity of Falcon or just leaving it laying around until they decide they want um, Bucky to be the um, Captain America or they 
I don't, I mean, I don't know. Will they recast Steve Rogers? I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like the idea that the MCU is, is willing to uh, give known characters to, to new people yeah. and, and kind of leave that to be explored at a later time. Yeah. And um, what do you think of the, the boat fixing scene in the, in the fifth episode? <sighs> it, it was, it was very cool. It was very cool. Also, I didn't mind that that Bucky had a thing for Sam's sister. I, I thought that I was kind of kind of cute. Yeah, I, I thought I thought they were kind of totes adorbs together. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very on brand for Bucky to kind of be like, "Hey, I'm I'm nailing your sister," kind of thing, you know. <laughs> um, not not that Bucky would have to stoop so low, but you know, um, it, it never hurts to have that in your back pocket when you're mm-hmm. in an argument with with uh, your front of me. <laughs> so, um, uh, I I really did enjoy the boat the bow fixing scene though because it it showed. Because obviously Sam has this technology, and the, they were government issued, obviously. But at the same time, Sam get, got to show off some of his know-how, and him and Bucky got to work on a boat together, and it built and built their whole uh, rapport together some more. And it, it, while they were still being Bucky and Sam, it, it was cool to see them kind of come together and mm-hmm. figure things out to get the boat working. My only thing with I, I love the scene. In general, my whole thing was the placement of it in the in the show because it feels like at that point they got other shit to worry about here. Yeah, and it's a very lighthearted scene in the middle yeah. of a uh, hey, like you said, there, there's some heavy things going on. Maybe mm-hmm. we fix the boat after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, that could have been some, another COVID rewrite where they're like, "Man, we got this great scene with them on the mm-hmm. boat. Where are we going to stick it?" And they're like. I don't know, just throw it on episode five. We'll yeah. figure it out. I'm like, okay, okay. And so so maybe that's why we got it that way. Yeah. Um else we want to mention here. Uh where do you think they're gonna go forward now with um now we got so now we get see Val's recruited US agent, mm-hmm. kind of recruited Yelena, but after Hawkeye, you know, I'm not really sure how loyal she is now, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and we got Zemo in the raft, obviously. Yeah, and and you know, and Contessa name checks him too, right at the mm-hmm. end there. So she does. What do you think we're gonna? How, where do you think we're gonna be going with that? Um. Well, the good thing about Captain America four is, without this series, then we would have to do, um, Sam's origin story to be Cap. Mm-hmm. So now they don't they don't have to worry about that. They don't have yeah. to be like, they don't have to just jump right to it where he's immediately Captain America after endgame they told that story now they can really tell something fresh so i i would like to see them just just go completely opposite of um what we've seen before like we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to see everybody from this we don't need to see zemo i think obviously bucky needs to be a part of it Mm -hmm. um i I feel like they're interchangeable at this point i don't i don't see us getting winter soldier movies or bucky movies so we just assume at this point that if there's a captain america movie bucky's gonna be in it which is fine Mm -hmm. but i i do feel like you can continue bucky's story and then continue to tell sam's story as captain america um just just bring in some new rogues man like cap has a, a rich rogues gallery that's still hasn't really been touched i mean i know we got crossbones and batrock and obviously red skull i mean hell you could even there was multiple red skulls you you could bring mm. back a, a red skull if you wanted to um we've gotten zemo there's um th- there i mean you could even 
uh, you can put agent in it, obviously, and you can build mm-hmm. his story and you can put agent versus cap in, in different situations, depending on what it is, because he's because agent supposedly is going to fix the things Captain America can't. So he sounds like he's still going to be government funded, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll be on certain missions. Um, I want to see. I, I think a good way to to do it would be to um, go go to the Cap's Rose Gallery, but. We still haven't got an armor war story. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you know your armor wars, I know you do, Perry. Um, when Steve was the captain, uh, him and Iron Man actually clashed because mm-hmm. um because Captain America was trying to protect Vault um guardsman who was yeah, using yeah. Tony's technology. And they they came to blows over it and Tony won in the Silver Centurion armor, which is the best Iron Man armor. There's a hot ass take. Um <laughs> And so I would like to see something like that because, again, we've seen some of the stuff where it's like, oh, Tony's technology is out here. Um, well, but... we are actually getting an Armor Wars series. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's going to be right. with, uh, I think Rhodey's going to be the, the center of that one. Then let me shut up. <laughs> but uh, let, just to get back to the my original point, just go digging through the um, Caps Rose Gallery and, and tell some cool stories that um, a new story featuring him and have have Sam have a credible threat to go against in a movie, mm. have Bucky in it. If you want to bring Sharon in, you can. Uh, so there's different elements you can pull from you, but you don't have to reuse every single thing from Captain America or Falcon and Winter Soldier right. to, to get there. Um, I think it's possible we might see uh, Sharon possibly becoming the main antagonist then. I think this series kind of sets her up perfectly for, yeah. for that. Um that that's easy thing to do that's an easy thing to do um they could also do something like uh well i mean especially now you got the especially this political climate right now you could do something like a an adaptation of the two america story that group mm, did. Um, yeah you know when they brought back the um the nazi cap mm-hmm. <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you could totally do that um they they already did hydra cap a little mm. bit and Winter, Winter Soldier, um, they kind of hinted towards that. But I mean, that'd be really hard to do without Steve, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's just so many stories where where Cap gives up the the shield. We know, but uh, Sam's not going to do that. But there can always be a situation where he's put on the run for some reason. I mean, that that's just Cap's mo. That that was always a go to anyway. Where it's like Cap's without his country, he's on his own. He has no backup. Da 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 da. So so there's a, there's a rich history they can dig through yeah i, I was gonna say secret empire but you know they kind of did some, a variation of that with winter soldier so i don't yeah. think be, um, yeah it's hard to sell a black knot uh hydric cap mm. <laughs> that would be real interesting <laughs> no no not that secret empire I meant the original secret empire oh oh gotcha. when he went My up bad. against the government mm-hmm. um but the og yeah yeah but uh also like you know like you were saying, you know, we haven't even seen like the the Serpent Society or anything like that. That I mean, no. that would be interesting to see what they do with that. Or or they could just or if they want to lean on Zemo, they could mm-hmm. use the next Captain America movie to introduce the Thunderbolts. Yeah, I was possibly. thinking too. Like if and then I'm wondering about what they do with like because you got Zemo now, you've got U.S. Agent, you got Yelena, mm-hmm. Abomination still out there as we saw in Shang Chi. So yep. it really feels like they could they got the makings for a Thunderbolt series now. Um, there's plenty of people that spider-man's put away that, yeah. that they could use um i mean we we still haven't seen what happens with scorpion that they uh, from mm-hmm. um 
from um, um, Homecoming, right. which uh, was in the Stinger. Um, Michael Mando's character, they could always build off of that. There's so many to choose from. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see. If, if they went the Thunderbolts route, what kind of way do you think would, would, would or at least would you like to see? Would you like to see it do like the, um, the hero redemption angle, like the original Thunderbolts, or would you like to see more the, the, the post-Civil War era where they were like, you know, almost like Marvel's Suicide Squad? Um, I, I would I would probably want to see the hero redemption arc at first, especially with Zemo, mm-hmm. um, because I, I don't want to see Zemo ever be completely good, but <laughs> but it would be cool to to kind of see him take the reins of a team like that, and then also be doing his his bad shit on the side still. Mm-hmm. I, I think that could be uh, really cool, especially in the machinations of it again being something that can be pulled from a, for another um TV series or movie from something Zemo did in Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. um. So I, I would go with with the, the redeeming the villains idea first. Okay, I think I'd probably like to see the. Um, I lean more towards like the Suicide Squad version type. Yeah, especially because you got you know Walker is kind of like the servant as like the Agent Flag ver- role type of thing. Yeah, um, kind of like Luke Cage did when he was leading the Thunderbolts. I think that'd be uh, that's that's one way to do it too. Yeah, there, there's you can do it either way for sure. Mm-hmm. I only only thing I think it would stop them is is people would be like, man, this reminds me of Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's what I was and thinking too, as I was saying That's the only that. reason yeah. why I wouldn't, I think they wouldn't go there. Because mm-hmm. who would have thought that we'd have not one, but two Suicide Squad movies <laughs> prior to Marvel being able to get the Thunderbolts. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, that was such a weird th- choice when they made a, sui- a Suicide Squad movie with all these rogues before you even introduced the heroes that have put these rogues away. <laughs> That's that's the DCEU for you, man. Mm. <laughs> Let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. People well, love it when MCU does that. But at least we got we got James Gunn Suicide Squad out of it, and then mm. and Peacemaker. Yeah, so. Peacemaker is so crazy. <laughs> every time I every time I'm watching that I'm watching that show, like it gets to the intro and there's that little skip intro button. I'm like, oh fuck no, what are you crazy? No, <laughs> no. no skip this you intro. Watch that intro. Yeah, and my daughter's getting into it now too. Like, yeah, I'm watching. <laughs> she loves intros to tv shows like does she the x-files intro she goes batshit over she like search she's like ah, ah. <laughs> i don't know what it is about but she loves that intro and then like and i was watching uh peacemaker the other yesterday and i had like two episodes left on of the current ones mm-hmm. and intro comes out in the first episode i'm watching she stops what she's doing she just stops and she just stares at the screen and then later, the second episode comes in. Again, same exact thing. She just stops and turns and looks at the screen as soon as she start, hears the music come on. Raising her right, man. That's yeah. what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got anything else to say about Falcon and Winter Soldier? Uh, my, my final thoughts is there was a lot of story in these six, ep- six episodes. I've already said that. Um, a lot of world building, a lot of character growth from almost everybody we saw. I... I... <laughs> For it to be the next one we saw after WandaVision, I was really, really happy with how it came out. Um, and then Loki came out, and I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and, and so it is, it is worthy of anyone's time to watch it. I don't care if you just watch MCU casually. I don't care if you're a diehard. You definitely need to watch it. Um, I think it has something for everybody. And just outstanding performances from um, Mackie and from Sebastian Stan and all across the board, man. Great mm-hmm. casting, great storytelling. And um, 
I'm looking forward to seeing more in Captain America 4. Yeah, so, uh, same here. I thought they did... Uh, I thought the main story is a little bit weak, but I thought everything else surrounding it is is really mm-hmm. strong. Like like you mentioned, the casting was great. Um, love seeing Daniel Brule come back as, as Zemo. He's just, yes. it's just being like... I, I was so excited to see him come back and I never, and I wasn't expecting how much I would love him. Exactly. He's doing a little dance right now. He's doing a dance. <laughs> Zemo dance. Oh God. It was so much fun. Um, you know, getting Madripoor introduced because I love Madripoor. It's such a cool location in, yeah. in Marvel and seeing Anything that. Anything can happen in Madripoor. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, fuck it, man. Let's get a Wolverine series set in Madripoor. Forget it. Forget the X-Men. I just want to see him as Patch and like running the princess bar. And shit. Oh, don't don't you play with me, Perry Constantine? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And Marvel, if you're listening, you know, fuck, get us a Patch series, get us a get a us a Patch series, series. in for yeah. Uh, that would be have Zemo was, dance, have Zemo come in and appear as the backup dancer. <laughs> have Wolverine like walk by and smack him in the back of the head. Stop dancing, bub. <laughs> you're barren for crying out loud. Uh, but it, it you know we finally get to see you know. We knew it was coming, but to actually see Sam put on the costume, I thought was 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 such a great moment. It, it was um, it was big. It was big. Yeah. Yeah, and getting the stuff with Isaiah Bradley, like I I had expected, we get some hints of Isaiah Bradley as soon as they said Carl Lumley's going to be it. I'm like, oh, they're doing Isaiah Bradley. They're going to do the truth. But I wasn't expecting the way they did it, and I thought they did such an amazing way of incorporating that into into the MCU, yeah. and. Yeah, I and mean, being like as it, real as possible with it the being too. as real as possible. Yeah, I mean, it it's got some story issues, but overall, everything surrounding the main story I thought was was just pitch perfect. I think you can easily overlook a lot of those story problems by focusing on those other things. Yeah, I agree. Because as much as the Flag Smashers didn't end up really being everything we wanted them to be, they they were still quite a credible threat. I didn't love Carly all the way through, mm-hmm. but um, again, her characterization. They they were we talked about it. We were trying to make her so sympathetic, and there just was no point where everybody was like, besides um, Bucky, who really wanted to beat her ass. <laughs> so yeah, so so there was that. Like Bucky was like, oh, let me get my hands on her. And Sam's like, no, let me talk to her. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, damn it, Sam. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, all right, Kel, uh, you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, uh, last episode I told you you can find me. Um, at my website, which is hyphenuniverse.com. I have a YouTube channel, which is also hyphenuniverse. Just type that in. I'm on Facebook under hyphenuniverse. Uh, if you like Instagram, I'm the be hyphen on there. And I'm on Twitter, be hyphen. And that's about it. And hyphen podcast group. That's where you'll find my podcast as well as other podcasts that are on our nice little network over there. So come check us out. Okay, great. And, um, you know, my stuff, all my, all my writing, all my, all my work can be found at percivalconstantine.com. This show, superherocinephiles.com. Um, drop me a line if you want to be on the show, if you want to come on and, and talk about superhero movies. It's a uh, lot of fun, guys. A lot of fun, yeah. And other than that, you know, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We've got a Facebook group as well. Uh, feel free to join. Feel free to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. And five stars. Five stars, yeah. And that does it for us. And we'll talk to you next time. Kel, thanks so much for coming on again. Always fun to have you on for these. Oh man. Great, great sitting in this, in this great seat, man. Thanks for having me. Always welcome back. All right. That does it for us. And we'll talk to you next time. You have been listening to the superhero cinephiles podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at super cinema pod. 
Join our Facebook group by searching for Superhero Cinephiles, where you can interact with us and other superhero fans. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a regular supporter at Patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. And as always, good night, good evening, God bless.